1: the counter charge i'm rough enough i'm matt crudger and i am jeremy Duval.
2: welcome we're really excited today to do our annual 2023 year in review and i know i'm excited to be here because last year's i was knee deep in uh despair sorrow and oreo cookies so i was not on last year's uh year in review episode based on what i was going through in my own personal life so i'm super excited to be here with you guys today to I think this has become like a fun tradition, right? That we do every year where we take a look back at the 2023 year. We talk about what we love. We talk about what was our some of our favorite elements. And then we try to, as always, through that sort of sign me up to Jeremy Growth Mindset Squad, what do we think, you know, worked in the year for Mantic and Kings of War? And maybe what are some areas that Manta can improve in? What are some areas that we can improve in as hobby leaders and community growers in our own communities? And try to get a sense of what do we like? What went well? What could go better? So first off, guys, how is everyone's holiday? Everyone have a good time with family and
1: all that sort of stuff? It was amazing. I went up north uh, to Michigan to see my mom. It was great. I got to see Daniel, who was across the street from my mom, and hang out with him for a little bit. Didn't get a game in because I didn't have room to pack an army this year. It was great, though. It was it was, it was great to hang out with family. How about you, Jeremy? yeah it was super fun this year i went to texas to see my mom as i do and hang out with my
2: texas friends but this year with uh i was a little late with a lot of stuff going on in my business life to get my ticket for texas so when i finally went to go buy my plane ticket it was like eight hundred dollars which that's like flying to europe or to hawaii or whatever so i was just like you know what texas is not that far i'll just drive and lesson learned It is far. Uh, uh, So I I drove over two days there and two days back. And that's one thing like you don't really realize when you're going on vacation and four days of your vacation is driving that your vacation doesn't feel quite as long. I mean, we all listen as, as hosts and content creators to our own shows, right? Where we, we edit them, we get them ready. But I think sometimes we don't always have the time. We try to listen to each other's shows, you know, so that we can provide feedback. We can say, oh, I love this. What did you think about this? We try to support each other's, you know, in our own sort of individual show, show production. So I got caught up on a bunch of really great stuff. I listened to a, a bunch of Rob's really great Army Reviews. I listened to a bunch of Matt's rewriting uh, Panathor episodes. So that was probably a benefit of my drive is that I got caught up on a lot of podcasts. And then obviously getting to see my mom in Texas was great. I got to hang out with my Texas buddies, Jeff Swan and Todd Serpico. We did a bunch of board games. I was able to bring a bunch of miniatures, so got a bunch of different miniature game stuff in. The Kings of War, we're talking about, got to place a little MCP. So it was a really great trip and then headed back. And I've only been back now a day or so, so I'm still kind of unpacking and getting situated. But it was a pretty positive holiday season what about you matt how it wh- was did your kids have any special like christmas wishes that you got to fulfill and then in their joy your own joy as a father was uh inflamed
3: yeah yeah so my, my eldest is four so she's really getting into all about christmas so last year she decided two years before uh, two days before christmas that she wanted a real tree but it was too late so she was devastated so so this year got out and got it early um so she loved she loved everything about Christmas this year so it was good got got the new bike that she wanted and but still young enough that like there might be something she wants like a bike but realistically most of the pro- <laughs> So the presents can come from, you know, cheap stuff on Amazon because they'll like anything to play with. But I totally know what you mean about the travel. This was the first year in a long time that we haven't traveled at all on Christmas. And it does make the, the holiday seem longer. I've just started just before Christmas. I've started what's my longest break since I've been working ever, which is about three weeks. I don't go back to work till the 15th, which is nice. So oh, wow, um, it cool. definitely makes it feel longer. Yeah. One of the nice things about traveling, though, is getting able to catch up on all the podcasts. Man, I was so far behind. Yeah, well, it's hard when you release one every 36 hours, Rob, you know? So Jeremy's talking about us being supporting by listening to each other. And I'm like, I can't keep up. I went back yesterday while I was just doing stuff around the house to finally get to the um, unintentional gatekeeping episode because so many people listed it as their favorite. But I got through a couple yesterday, which was which was awesome. I never
2: want our audience to be like, I wish I had more episodes to listen to. It's like, oh, there's t- it's better to have too much, I think, than not enough. And I think that, as you'll hear as we discuss about the show, I think we're often the episodes we do were driven by what we're interested in because I think that when you're producing an episode and you're interviewing people, you want to talk about a subject that's important to you. And often that's how we develop shows is that in our host chat, we're talking about, hey, I got the show idea. It's really interesting to me. Or we're wanting to do something that maybe is apropos or sort of in the milieu of what's happening, current events, hobby-wise. But I think it's really interesting to see Later in the show, we'll get into stats of what we did this year. I felt like this year we had a real diversity in the type of shows that we did. So maybe you're not going to like every episode, right, Rob? But there's going to be something in there for you in any given month that's going to resonate with your where you are in
1: the hobby. Yeah, we had a real eclectic point of view for episodes, right? Uh, and that really comes back to, we'll talk a little bit about it later, but we had a lot of people that contributed topics and actually assisted in producing the episode. So I think it's great. It adds diversity of voice to our, our, our podcast and it wasn't all just army reviews and list builders this year, right? There was a lot of other stuff on there.
3: Yeah. And I think particularly towards the end of the year, a lot of the stuff you produced, Rob, like you said, because we, you, we reached out for that community involvement. So it was good to to get that diversity and even um Jeremy I started listening to the the latest scrying gems that Paige has provided a meme from from you and Brinton which is awesome I mean I just besides listening to you I also love listening oh, to you. Brinton talk so um yeah, yeah I, I thought that was a cracking episode and, and like you say just getting a bit more diversity of, of what we're talking about I, I think which is which is hard it's hard with a with a hobby podcast right because even if it's video unless you're going to go pro level setup like it's hard to display well hobby via audio in some ways but but even on video it, it's hard it's not like you can hobby really well with someone as you go along so um, yeah I, I, th- I think um, yeah, particularly you guys did a good job at creating that diversity
2: and I think we're trying to grow as a show right both in the type of contents we do and you'll hear a little bit of that today when we look forward to what are some of our goals as
3: a show in 2024.
2: In the end, I feel all of us at Countercharge want to produce high-level quality content with not just what we're talking about, but we try to bring you guys guests from everywhere in the hobby, right? Uh, top players, mid-table players, your local kitchen gamer players. We want you to feel as an audience that you're represented in the show, that there is going to be a voice on the show that, that you feel connected to. And all within the idea that we're trying to present to you guys, I think, our authentic, genuine selves and make you feel like you're part of our larger hobby group. Because in the end, that's before I got into podcasting, that's what I really loved about the hobby podcast that I was listening to is I wanted to feel like I was in their gaming group, Mm. that I was just a fly on the wall. And I think in listening to our show, I hope that... The audience members, they get to know sort of Matt, right? They know about your guys that you play with. People get to know all my gaming group. People know who Rob plays with. So people can feel like they're just part of our, of the Countercharged family. And I know that's important to me, right? To make our our podcast and our Facebook page a hangout, you know, a treehouse that anyone can come and feel welcomed and feel like they have a voice. And as Rob said, contribute show ideas, have agency to really try to make uh, this place uh, a, 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 a safe space for people to come in and enjoy this hobby. In the end, we all feel like the hobby enriches lives, right? Otherwise, why would we do it ourselves or why would we want to do this podcast? The hobby can enrich your life in so many ways. So I hope that that, you, that has come through in our show Is one of our guiding principles is trying to maybe help shine a light on how the hobby can enrich your life.
3: You know, if there's going to be a shout out for 2024, I think engage with us more. Like, I, we don't want to be producing content that no one wants to listen to. So, you know, tell tell us what you listen to, and and like you say, hopefully you get a good, a bit of an idea of who we are. As you were saying that, Jeremy, about who we are, i was thinking, you know, yeah, it wouldn't be an episode with me if Rob didn't have to edit out, ha, edit out half the rude stuff I say, and and for it never to be heard again. <laughs>
2: Oh, you're a jerk. Everyone from Australia. And, and I think this has to do with like, you grow up in an environment where they teach you in primary school how to survive, right? Yeah. Like how to survive shark attacks or yeah. crazy <laughs> spiders that are like horses. So maybe you don't learn the lessons of how to be nice to your fellow man because you're just trying to, how to survive. So I'm wondering if that maybe speaks to your assholery is that you are a man of your environment. And uh, you know you got a didgeridoo and whatever you got to do right to survive. <laughs> that you guys have a, a colorful personalities down under. I don't know. If
3: that's true at all. It's something like that. Although I think the I think the learning to survive is usually just against each other. To be honest, because I, when there's finite
2: resources, your your enemy is your friend and your friend is your enemy, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When you live yeah. in a, a
3: yeah. When you when you're a country born on convicts and Catholicism, you know. It... <laughs> You're like you're either fighting each other over a loaf of bread or fighting your own family over a loaf of bread.
2: <laughs> just makes sense, right it, it, it just makes sense.
3: Oh, we should have set up Jeremy Bingo at the start
2: yeah right? the, okay so episode. it just makes sense Well I know <laughs> milieu yeah milieu uh, malleable. I haven't uh, that's going to be in there uh, failing forward downstream and in, downstream investing. so that could be a possible page meme is the uh, Jeremy bingo.
3: I was going to say we should set Paige the challenge. Now of counting how many jeremy there are in this episode. What
2: you're saying just makes sense. I think, I think he's got the time. You know, he's got the time. <laughs> if, you got, if you got the time and the will, you know, do it up. Well, first, before we get into our sort of review, let's do a quick hobby roundtable. Let's start with you, Matt, which I'm really excited. We haven't done an episode together. I know we have, I won't tell the audience the secret code name for the episode because it's a very saucy, but we have Basalian trademark.
1: Basalia.
2: Army review. In the works, as you and I are both base Alien players, and we're excited. I can't wait to have a robust, colorful discussion about Sisterhood units. But uh, prior to that, what have you been up to hobby-wise? I know you you said you're on a vacation. Are you getting any hobby done?
3: I moved my resin printer home. So, uh, well, one of them home. I've still got the one that gives me troubles at work. Um, So I've been setting up, like, trying to gradually get this cabinet so everyone's safe from it at home and doing a, a fair bit of printing um, and also playing with a new laser cutter I got which is taking a little bit of time to get used to it so because um, i got to start getting everything out for Clash so I've basically printed all the trophies which is nice I've been I was assembling a clan lord on fire drake for my salamanders but for the second big box set in a row it was missing a limb so I had to send off for that but that turned up just before Christmas so I got, I got the limb back on the on the clan lord yesterday. And I finished a Sylvankin list, which I took to a tourney uh, two days ago, which was which was nice, which uh, just a little three-game one-dayer, and it, the list went undefeated at two wins and a, and a draw. I'm trying to decide what to do next. So obviously, I'll paint the fire drake, and I've also got a Gekitar slasher there that I'll assemble and, and paint up. And then I'm just waiting, very excited, as Rob would be, that there's – Salamander is finally hitting the vault, so I'm going to print a second hoard of fire elementals, um, but I'm really waiting for the the extra bits that were released. Yeah, I'll print some Corsair bits, but I'm really waiting for some ceremonial guard bits. So I probably won't do much more Salamander infantry until they come out, and I've got a whole... I've got boxes and boxes of new Northern Alliance stuff that I need to get a start on. What about yourself, mate? What have you been working on? Probably not much because you've been driving for a week straight.
2: Yeah, not much in the last couple of weeks, but October, November was really productive hobby time for me. I was getting ready to play in the Naughty or Nice team tournament in Texas, the doubles event. So I got a lot done. I did a, a horde of impalers. I did a regiment of skiffs. I did Uh, Phantom. So I did a lot in that. So I'm just carrying through that. I'm almost done with my second troop of Phantoms, which I've really fallen in love with the Mantic Phantom. I think it's a really cool dynamic unit. And I've done a a couple of little uh, tweaks to it. it. I got the resin one, right? This was one where they used to have it in the crappy PVC suck my butt, whatever that material is. I but now they've redone it in resin. So I got the resin and I ran into some issues with there were some gaps in the resin. But what I decided to use is I used some putty and filled the gaps, plus did trendles of like energy and painted it to look like the same. If you've seen the Phantom, they're like sitting on a a pillar of energy that has skulls and arms and funky stuff. So I carried that through the model to make it look like they're flying through a hole in the void. So there's trendles of void energy so that it's not just their body. And then they're sitting on an energy. I was able to take the color of the energy and spread it through the body by creating some trendles. And then also too, for those tournaments that have a checklist, I now have more stuff of like, did you do any molding or conversion work or whatever? I can, I can check it off. So I'm pretty happy with how they've come out. One troop is done the next troop. I'm about halfway through. So that gives me, Anywhere from eleven hundred to thirteen hundred points of Twilight Kin already completed because I had done in my previous Twilight Kin army, I had done. Who
3: is this man?
2: Yeah, I know. Seriously, Ooh. right? I had done Ooh. a Mind Screech. I had done two units, two uh, which was the old Soulbane on Dreadfiend, where I had two monsters. So basically, I have three 40 millimeter monsters already done one of which I based on a bigger base to work as a planner apparition, like the new, the bigger base size or the monster base size. And then I had a crone done. And also I had a navigate something that could work as a navigator or another crone. So what I've decided to do is I'm just going to use those. I'll, I'll repaint those last. So I want my twilight kin to be all Mantic, but I'm going to start with all the units I don't have and then use the stuff that I've already painted at least so I could be playing the army and then I'll just replace all the stuff that's already done sort of towards the end of the project. So now I'm trying to think of finishing the phantoms. I, I need to work on my skiffs are done, except that I am unsure what I want to do about the riders. You know, I've talked a little bit about maybe incorporating some dungeon saga miniatures or maybe I'm just not a fan of the driver of the skiff. I think the skiffs themselves are cool. Once you see them in person and I've mounted mine on acrylic rod and they're sort of, tilted to one side so it looks like they're banking or driving around scenery i just don't love the writer it comes with so i'm trying to think about what do i want to use we'll talk about it later in the kickstarter but i think the dungeon saga models for single pose like board game models they are really good
1: it's really good great
3: Yeah, really
2: nice. Like really high quality. The sculpting is all amazing. So there's a bunch of Twilightkin stuff in there, which is just dope. Yeah. I may use it for my Chrome. So I really want to incorporate that. We've been talking a lot about going full Mantic. And I think the next step in that is thinking about not only doing full Mantic, but we mentioned this in a recent List Builder Studio episode that Rob and I did. But how can you use Mantic in new, fun, interesting ways? So how do you you use stand-ins, but use Mantic models as stand-ins for other Mantic models? So I think that's a whole area... Of hobby mantic army design that hasn't been fully explored yet so i'm working on that so i got my second and then i'm also assembling some stuff i'm working on my second regiments of skiffs getting those assembled and then at some pace my list i'm running some hordes of infantry i'm gonna try to paint those i don't want to leave those to the end i'm trying to like as britain mentioned in that scrying gems eat my broccoli so I think I'm going to, after I get the second troop of phantoms done, since it's almost done, I think I'm going to then try to do one of my infantry
3: hordes. Or even if you don't do the whole horde at once, you could say do <laughs> yeah, half Yeah, just get of a chunk then, of it, you know, get a chunk yeah, of it done. Give yourself exactly. a little treat with another skiff regimen.
2: Yeah, I think the whole idea of thinking about, you know, I'm going to eat my broccoli majority of the time, and then I'm going to have my cheeseburger or my ice cream sundae, which is to paint a big, cool monster or whatever. I'm going to experiment with that because my goal really is by adepticon are around that time i will have a twilight might i want to have my twilight kin army ready and then by the end of the year have it be fully mantic and ready so we'll see
3: did you like that, Rob? He didn't he didn't commit hard. He didn't commit well, hard. I, wanna, to a waiting,
2: I no, I'm waiting <laughs> till our hobby commitment section. I don't want to blow my
3: load too early. He's deferring the, the, the heavy commitment. Hold on, where's my remarkable? I need to make these notes now and come yeah. check back I, at this I wanted in to an hour give you Matt
2: the Amus bouche of my hobby, <laughs> uh my hobby promises for twenty twenty four, not the full uh entree. So got it. What about you, Rob? What have you been up to hobby wise?
1: Mostly just salamanders. I've been enjoying uh painting up actual salamanders. So I've got a few regiments and a few troops, done. Uh, and then I started the the mage for the undead. Uh, well, it's the undead Vanguard faction. Mm. So I've been painting him up, and then I, I did build a bunch of models. I got Twilightkin models ready to go, and Nightstalk is ready to go. The new kits are great, and I know, Jeremy, we had that fireside chat, and we, we talked a lot about that, so I'm really excited about Vault, right? I mean, I, I saw that Corsair upgrades are in there, which is something I had been talking about wanting to try out now that they got 14 attacks. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give those a shot. Now is the time. Fingers crossed, next month we get
3: Tyrants and maybe mm.
1: Rhinosaurus Cavalry. Mm. I, I played against
3: hey, yeah. some corsairs a couple of days ago, and that they, they actually they look really cool with that. Like I know people would think, "Oh, it's a bit cheesy with their hats and things like that." I actually quite like it. I think it's a decent upgrade kit. You have a new addition to your family, right, Rob?
1: Yeah. So I have a we have a new dog, Rocky, who's joined us. He's 18 months old. I'm a big fan of adopting out of the shelter. So, uh, but we are we are learning to cope with each other. You know, we're 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 we're, so, we're setting boundaries and family, in, in, in as part of the family dynamic. But yeah, it's been a real challenge. Adjusting to a very kinetic dog would be the best way to say it. Energetic, vibrant. Energetic, yeah. So with the hobby kind of covered, let's jump into the announcements. We had a few things we wanted to share before we get into the, the meaty topic of today. First, we just wanted to thank everybody for engaging on the Facebook page. It's it's always the lifeblood of the community when you when you go out there and you, you make posts about what your progress on your hobby projects are, you know, starting us off on a discussion about maybe a rules question. That's great stuff and we really appreciate it. And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the community on our Facebook page has is, is grown significantly. I think we're over 1,400 people now.
3: Yeah. And I'd want to encourage people to do it more. Like if you're doing, if the hobby challenge isn't going and you're doing hobby, get a picture up there. Let everyone see it. I think that's part of, it's one thing I took from the, the gatekeeping episode is I think one of the things that could really easily be done. To help grow things is people just post pictures of when they're hobbying so you know your local communities know that there's stuff happening we don't do it enough locally or in Australia it's like a lot of the time it's just a you know it can be a dead page but just posting pictures of what you're working on or comments about what you're working on can show people that things are alive
2: yeah, and I would say we we have a lot more people downloading and listening our episodes than are than are on our Facebook group. So if you like to listen but haven't made the leap to join the Facebook group and you're on Facebook, you know, what's stopping you? Come join the group. It's a great place for bring out the conversations that are started in ep- episodes or share ideas for what you want. Because in the end, like we've said, we we love hearing ideas from shows from about shows from audience and then we also love hearing I know If an episode doesn't work for you, why doesn't it work for you? We try to do content that we love, but also we want to make sure there's an audience for what we're doing. So if you have feedback, if it's a critique or, hey, you got that a boy,
1: however it is, share that with us because we we want to hear it. And on that note, we do want to thank, you know, the many, many newest contributors that have been uh, helping us out with show topics and drafting notes. And, you know, there's too many names to mention, but super appreciate uh, that their contribution. Mantic Army Challenge, you guys mentioned that a little while ago. As this is going up, you know, we'll leave the December post up for a couple more days. It is insane what these people have accomplished, (laughs) Matt and Jeremy. Scott Blanchett painted almost 1,100 models. That's insane. Donnie Kroshup in Minnesota, he painted 15 hordes, 12 regiments, three titans, eight monsters, and three heroes. That's a lot of points. You know, I've never
3: met Donnie in the flesh, but I think he's a
1: man that commits hard. So we'll be having some live streams in the near future to kind of showcase those last few months. Uh, And we will have a live stream coming up too where we will select our winners for our major awards. So all that's coming. Don't forget that the ARC community survey is currently going. Have you done yours? I did fill it out and it was all anti-Twilight no.
3: Yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, and and I just I just filled it out for the ones I really knew about, or mostly what I owned. I also I pinged him a DM yesterday. I said, oh, next year I know it's not really the intent, but maybe maybe have a specific section for positive feedback. And he said a lot of people have been have done some positive stuff anyway. But to me, I felt like, oh, you know, I can only handle a couple of sentences. I'm going to be brief and and do the feedback. But I felt as I was filling it out, I was like, oh man, this could have the potential if they're just getting all this to just feel like you know, change this, change this, change this, it'd be nice to have a specific section to tell them that, you know, on average, what a great job they're doing.
2: Yeah, because I know, you know, we've said it a lot, right? And not at all to take away from what any RCs have done in the past, but the the group of personalities that they have right now, I think are really good. And also, I really like the effort to try to be transparent, I also think is very good. I feel Matt Carmack has really tried to do that as Uh, not just designing and writing new rules, but I think one of his sort of roles on the RC has been to help encourage transparency and to explain to the greater Kings of War community how the process actually works. And I think that's good for people to understand sort of a little bit of how the sausage is made so that when they're giving feedback, their feedback can be informed because they know how that feedback is used in the process.
3: Yeah, which I'm sure, like, I think people need to recognize, I'm sure has some pretty decent negative for him in terms of being transparent because it keeps putting his name out there and I'm sure it means he gets a lot more dms than say some of the others so I think we also need to recognize that these guys are volunteers and they're not meant to be at our beck and call that you know they're making an effort to be transparent but that doesn't mean we should just be pinging them all the time with our questions or our dislikes
1: and we also wanted to congratulate Tobias and Andy the two ismantic hires
3: I think Tobias is going to be a community organizer role. You know, Andy will be a video content person. I think Tobias has already started, actually. He sent me a 50-pack of those Ronnie the Demon Bard models to give out to Mantic Armies for Clash.
1: The Jesse Corn Welcome over the t-shirts are still available. The link is on our Facebook page and in the show notes. So if you haven't gotten one yet or, like me, uh, wore mine out, I had to get some new ones, uh, they are still available. Well, with that, let's get into our Gaming Black Friday purchases and uh, Matt, why don't you start us off?
3: All right. Wasn't well, a lot for me because I've probably been purchasing too much all the time, to be honest. Got towards the end of the year, I was like, hmm, maybe so much shouldn't appear, appear on the uh, on the various accounts that may or may not be appropriate for purchasing. And so I backed the Crydroofy new uh, wet pallets slash gaming storage system that, uh, Rob, you've got some comments about purchasing in there as as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for these wet pallet systems, and like the fact that it had little containers and stuff. And it's just I can't resist, particularly when they're well priced. You know, Hong Kong dollars. Hong Kong dollars are great dollars, <laughs> and I think I loaded up on some more resin. And and that's pretty much it because man, I've got a whole bunch of assembled halflings to do. I've got a serious amount of Northern Alliance to do. Uh, so no no big purchases for me. I'm kind of like you
1: though. I didn't have a lot of purchases this year at Black Friday. Mostly because I already have a pretty good backlog of models to put together, but you know, you did twist my arm, and so I did begrudgingly back the uh, Krydofi Art Box Kickstarter. So, uh, and I th- they've
3: already collected our address. Uh, reportedly, they'll ship by the end of Jan.
1: Crazy fast, because I think it ended
3: in like early December, maybe. Yeah, so they were obviously very confident.
1: I picked up a few models from Blacksite Studios that they've been on my radar for a while. They make a lot of modern stuff. They're a small U.S.-based company and picked up some, believe it or not, some Stranger Things models, which are pretty cool. And then went heavy on uh, a War Room hobby sale. He had a Black Friday sale. And I was like, well, let me just buy a bunch of stuff. So I, I picked up another tree herder, par for the course. As soon as I bought a tree herder, what shows up on the vault? <laughs> and then I picked up more halflings. Like like Matt said, I, I also have a halfling army. May or may not be started this year and then you know i think i want to do a small forces of nature army so and i don't know what's going to be in it so i picked up some fire elementals some air elementals some earth elementals the triumphant worm riders i picked up a force of nature druid still waiting for those uh we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that we would like mantic to improve on one of them is shipping time so that was me jeremy how about you uh like many of you guys i
2: did a lot of my sort of black friday holiday miniature purchasing earlier with the twilight kin release right since that was an army i was doing i picked up the mega army two regular armies i got a gordrake i picked up some of the mutant slash weaver boxes some additional foot guys for because i'm going to be running some hordes of the fleet wardens so i mean i spent a good amount to pick up essentially everything that I'm going to need for twilight can for the foreseeable future. So that was sort of my big fall hobby purchase. I have been thinking about getting some more brushes, brushes, My workhorse, the Raphael 8404 size 2 brush, which is my favorite brush in all of high-end brushes. A a, a nice, robust belly like myself. A really fine tip. Also like yourself. It's a great workhorse brush. Also like me. (laughs) Paige is probably going, there's some good meme ideas i need a new one i mean they last a long time but i mean i paint a lot the fact that i don't finish things doesn't mean that i'm not painting hours every day i do spend a lot of time painting not as much time finishing so i think i might need to to get a new uh my new workhorse brush i'm also thinking about trying some new paints in 2024 You hear a lot of good things about the pro Acryl. I've also been hearing a lot of things about the new line of army painter paints that are coming out in January, the fanatic paints a lot of the hobbyists who've been working with those say they're really great. I also want to try the army painter speed paint 2.0. Like I've tried the contrast paints and essentially I've decided all my firefight stuff is going to be the slap chop plus, which is, trying to utilize speed paints and then going on over them and painting in lots of detail so they still look really good but i'm going to use my sci-fi models as a place to explore that paint style so i think i'm i'm interested in trying some of the 2.0 so i have sort of my my lens on what i want to get next year but this year was mainly around just getting all of the stocking up on twilight kin
1: With that, let's take a quick commercial break, but I do want to mention we are going to be pulling out some old bumpers. Maybe some of you will remember some of these voices. So with that, we'll be right back.
3: I am the U.S. Masters champion, Patrick Zora Allen, and you're listening to Counter Charge.
1: Welcome back to Counter Charge. And next up for us, we want to talk about the podcast highlights in 2023. We did 97 episodes. We did 154 hours of content, which is, it was crazy amount of content this year that was supported by obviously our Adepticon trip, which Jeremy, we had so much content on there and the
3: the best of the rest slash US masters. And you just press the autopilot button on your job, right, Rob? And say so then <laughs> <laughs> allowed you to podcast all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. The year
1: started with 585, Road to Adepticon number five, which came out on January 1st, 2023, and then ended obviously uh, the last week of December. Uh, with episode 681, which is the RCE Community Survey. We did do 10 Army reviews this year, which is a huge step up. We did seven in 2022. So, you know, we're going to talk about what we should cover in 2023 a little later. But, you know, maybe if we can keep doing 10 a year, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, let's get into the favorite episodes of 2023. uh, And at the end, when we've shared ours, we'll share what you said.
3: Matt, why don't you start us off? Okay. So uh, when we get to this section, I, I always open up the website and go back and troll back through you know, what was the starting number? And it's hard to remember a whole year of listening. Number three was like I really, from a production point of view, I just really enjoyed going through the, all the armies for rewriting Panathor. One reason I really enjoyed it is other than basically having a bit of a list of the armies I didn't do, it, it was kind of just gut feel thoughts on, on uh, how we would go about it and, and not super planned. Uh, so that was really enjoyable to produce uh, with um, primarily with Dave and then, Rob, you joined us for the last one. Theoretically, there's one part left, but so much is changing so rapidly. It, I think we're just going to hit pause on the last bit until we see what happens early in the new year. Um, number two was the uh, rules retrospective that we did. Um, going back, uh, I wasn't there for uh, version one. But you were Rob, so hearing how things had changed, I'd heard I'd heard the nightmares. But uh, even even just looking back on, because it still comes up in games now, you know how how much things have changed. Even things like when you used to be able to run tokens off the board uh, with with loot. And I also really enjoyed as my number one the last couple of list builders we did, Rob with Luke and Stephen. I think really getting into this. I think sometimes it can be very specific to this is just how I build a list, but more the the crafting behind it and how they think about it, I thought were really insightful. And I've actually changed some of my building since listening to both of those. So so they were my top three. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, and on our list building studio, we do have uh, Jeff Shilkin will be coming on the show as well as Randy Davis. And those will both come out at sometime in January. Uh, for me, I'll start with an honorable mention, which is the, the colorblind episode. You know, I went into it No clue about what it was, you know, really what it meant to be colorblind, but even less about what it meant to be colorblind and trying to paint models. Going back to what I said before about people contributing to the show, but Randy Davis had the idea and we were able to find several people in the community that were colorblind. And it it was fantastic. They were really open and sharing. That was awesome. But uh, for number three, for me, it was really not one episode, but the whole series, you know, that Road to Adepticon series that we did where it was really fun to get different people on to talk about what events are coming up, what people are doing to plan for it. Uh, number two, the community building series that we started uh, and we have more plans in the future, but just focusing on how to grow the community more on this later. Cause I think, I think 2024 is going to be the year of growing the community. Just like you. I also loved episode 600, the Kings of War rules retrospective, which came out in February and uh, it was a great walk down memory lane, but it was a lot of work to go all the way back to that time period in, you know, uh, gosh, when the beta rules came out, it was like six pages of rules and then kind of exploring how the rules changed up until now. Uh, was really interesting. And it actually kind of sparked me to think, you know, maybe down the road we we pick an army and we look at the army lists and say, okay, this is what the army list started out as, and, and seeing how those things have evolved, like Kingdoms of Men or Undead or something like that. But Jeremy, how about you?
2: Yeah, I also really like the rewriting Panathor episodes. I think they were in line with sort of the over the the umbrella of Mantic 2.0, right? Which is how do we think about these armies in flavorful robust way so that an army isn't just this army is an army that has a lot of rule x and instead this army's shtick is this and i think we've seen that transition in actual put into practice with updated uh night stalkers or really updated northern alliance right was that first army of really looking at how to incorporate frozen as its sort of shtick and so it was cool to see Uh, Matt rifting on sort of the ideas that were were in real time manifesting themselves in the game system, thinking about, you know, what are ways that we can build out the the, because I know uh, not everyone wants more rules, and I totally respect that. But for me, I love the newer army design. I think they're I, I like seeing a little extra. But again, I know that's just my perspective and people's are different. But I really enjoyed those episodes. I also so that was my number three, number two. Um, I really liked our Road to Adepticon series, Rob. That was super fun. Adepticon is one of those bucket list events that I think it is worth going to and the expense is worth it no matter where you live in the world. It is probably one of the best miniature gaming convention slash dealer shows in the entire world. So it's definitely one of those bucket lists. You should go to an Adepticon at some point of your life. So hopefully we were able to get that across to you guys during that series. And then also for some of my funnest episodes to take part in were the scrying gem episodes. I really love Brinton, Alex, and Tom. Really three great minds around the game. And I think those to just say this is going to be an unabashed high meta min Like Like we, we were very clear on what the scrying gems are talking about, right? So love it or hate it, it's it's upfront. Th- those episodes are seen through the lens of of top meta, top competitive play, so those were really fun to do. We we do them around clash updates. We did them leading into masters, and then also it was really fun to take sort of like a slightly different scrying gems and think about how how can you incorporate hobby into more or organized precise thinking. So that was fun to do the hobby Scrying Gems episode with Britain. And we have a lot more Scrying Gems stuff coming coming up in 2024. But I just love sitting down. We're really lucky as a show to sit down with great minds from across the world and talk about the hobby. And like what Matt was saying about getting into, I'm really interested when I interview these players is to get into their thinking. Not just like, oh, how much chaff should you have? Oh, okay, you should have three to five. I want to hear people talk about, well, why? What is your thinking? What is your? Uh, how do you think about the game? How do you think about the game at a higher level? You know, what are what questions are you asking? Stuff like that. And I feel that we were we were able this year, I think, to explore that in more uh, detail, not just surface level analysis, but I think we had some really great opportunities to get deep. I'll never say no to when you have an opportunity
3: to get deep. I do love your Scrying Gem episodes, Jeremy and and Rob. I uh, I, I had the colorblind thing come up on Christmas Eve, actually, and so. I think I'd told the story before of that I'd accidentally painted a, a winged wing master captain's wings green once. I said to my wife, How's this look? And she said, The wings are green. I was like, Oh, well, I was assembling the two bikes for the girls because when they're closest in age, you've got to buy two of everything, right? I'm sitting there assembling. I said, Why do we get two bikes that look exactly the same? And my wife's like, One is pink and one is green. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> So let's get into our community responses about what your favorite episodes were. And we'll start with Ben Stoddard. And uh, Ben's was the difference between intentions and mistakes, which, yeah, cracking episode that was.
1: Yeah, and Bar said uh, the Road to Adepticon series. Again, you're going to see a, there's a few people that, that enjoyed those. So our friend from Newbie Dice, Paige Neo, really loved the scenario
2: episodes. That was the series Rob did. Looking at the different types of scenarios and Kings and what to think about when you're playing those scenarios, that was a great series, too. One more coming
3: with Luke and Keith Conroy, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, our friend Dave Fanning said the Andy Patton episode.
1: Episodes now, right? We have multiple ones with Andy. Episodes, bracket S. It's interesting to hear people's evolution uh, through a game. It's 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 really fun to see where he's come. Uh, our buddy Max K. Love the
2: unintentional gatekeeping. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Altman loved how to uh, build your local community, which Rob has sort of given you the the teaser that that's a big theme we think for twenty twenty four is how
3: do we build our local community? Erasmus cheated a little bit. You know, he's got he's got he's got the slashy answer. He's Ronnie rented roundup slash Dwarf Army review slash Raise your standards. Erasmus said, it always takes me back. Which one of it was it that claimed his name wasn't real? Do you remember that on an episode? I can't remember who oh, it I was. I thought
2: that it was like a fake fa- Facebook yeah, account. Yeah, Facebook yeah, yeah, Facebook. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, yeah, it always, uh, seeing a comment from him always takes me back. And Felix and Ollie Smith uh, both also like the unintentional gatekeeping.
1: Keith Conroy and Paul
2: Collins love the Scrying
1: Gems episodes.
3: Gabe Toth enjoyed the Dwarf Army review. John Paul Fuller Jackson uh,
1: liked the rewriting and Army reviews and then Donnie as we've seen with how many of
2: them he painted this year uh really loved the the goblin army review.
1: Thanks to everybody that contributed their answers and you know we we really appreciate you sending that in.
2: Okay, so going into 2024 we were, we've been thinking about what new topics we want to cover in 2024. And again, this is the same sort of thing where we're going to present sort of what we're excited about and then also take a, a, a second to look at what the community wants us to, to cover. So I'll go first. So my third topic is continuing the community growth. So how do we continue to take our game from a niche within a niche within a niche and grow it out? I'm interested in looking at... Uh, more episodes around that especially i think with a store focus like how do you go into a store that's not selling mantic and no kings of war is happening how do you make it happen maybe some tips and tricks about like how to get it going in your your local stores Uh, i'm also really really excited to continue our firefight content we've done a few great army review episodes And also really excited about Warpath, which is the epic firefight where uh, uh, Alessio has come back to help write and develop that game. I'm really excited for that. So looking forward to when that Kickstarter goes live, I think it's supposed to go live in January, February, I think, February. So really excited to continue our sort of once every six weeks, some firefight coverage. And then I know I'm really excited about trying to get us into more YouTube video spaces. Specifically, I would love to start doing some YouTube hobby videos that are Mantic focused. I mean, we have some YouTube channels that do Mantic games as far as battle reports. We have some, but not enough, in my opinion. So I would love to try to get Countercharge entering that space of YouTube specifically youtube hobby hobby videos i have a project that i'm working on trying to get set up for to do a series of videos around multi-basing that's one of my great passions is to do really interesting dynamic multi-basing and often people ask me questions on how you do certain techniques and that is difficult sometimes to describe in still picture or text so I think I want to maybe do a hobby video where we we, we we take a multi-base and start from the very beginning and take it through the whole process and how to do it. But in general, I would love to see us enter more into video space. But what about you, Matt?
3: Honestly, I think mine remain the same every year. Number three, I I, I just want to be producing what you guys are asking for. So ask more. It, it reminds me of the the old uh what they used to tell you in school about questions right that if if you're thinking of the question someone else is probably thinking about it so if you if you've got something you want to hear about there is a there's it's very likely someone else will want to hear about it too so don't be afraid to reach out to one of us and, and let us know number two is the same as you jeremy i, I still want to think of a way to, to grow our youtube presence part of it i think is because you know, most of our YouTube presence has been live streams and, and that's not really going to capture people. We need to get into the video editing space. I don't know if there's anyone that's got any ideas on assistance with that, um, but we're certainly very open to, to hearing about it because I think uh, with, without kind of taking it to that more professional level, uh, it's it's going to be hard to grow. And then and number one is basically nothing specific but continuing that diverse co- coverage of, of topics around gaming as well as Kings of War in general and uh, as well as the, the gaming specific stuff and I think ideas for the podcast and for YouTube as well. Like, yeah, Jer- Jeremy, I mentioned to you when I went back and we started for a bit doing like the little mini Kings of War Tactica. I think if we produce them better, they're things that could work really well you know, this is what this looks like on the table, deployment strategies, things like that. What, what about yourself, Rob?
1: Well, for number three, for me is we've had an episode on comparing scoring systems forever. Like it's been on the list of things to do. And so that's something I definitely want to do at some point, you know, just comparing blackjack to Northern Kings to standard out of the book scoring and just kind of go over the pros and cons of each of those. Number two for me is we definitely need more UK based content. I think there's a dearth in our coverage about uk stuff look for more of that we've got some things in the works there Uh, and then number one is i just want to keep pumping out this uh i'm going to call it crowdsourced topics here's just a few from 2023 you know matt temple you know unintentional gatekeeping uh jason burr offered up favorite events we had randy davis give us the colorblind episode and we've already got a bunch for 2024 so you know if you have an idea for an episode reach out love to love to chat with you about it because you know it kind of ties back to what Matt's number one, which is about diversity of content. And the more voices we can have on the show, the better, I think. And let's get into the community response to this question. Ben started mentioned uh, more lore episodes. And I will mention here, wing to SAR has started, started their own podcast and they're fantastic. Mm. They're not necessarily lore episodes, but they are more about talking, breaking down the writing process. Really interesting stuff. So if you're into that, Narrative slant of content, you know, and it's called Winged Star Pubcast.
3: And I've just started on the rest of the books. I'd only read The Steps to Deliverance, but I I caved on the whole ebook thing because uh, um you know often the girls are in, well they're pretty much always in our room, so like having a reading light on isn't practical. So I was like, oh, I'll finally do the ebook, and it really opened up the Winged Star stuff to me. So I've I've just got into Ben's book actually, so looking forward to to getting through that. And I saw that podcast pop up, so I, I want to give that a listen. Uh, and then Mark Zelensky would like to welcome some more Ambush episodes. And Paige, Neo would
2: love to see some more stuff about scenarios, especially now that we've had more you know, more scenarios come out. And then I think it might be cool to think about like custom scenarios if you want to run your own tournament. How do you design a custom scenario? I think that might be interesting to just like what makes
1: a good scenario might be a fun topic. And maybe we can get Paige on to to join us for that. Absolutely. Dave Fanning says more European coverage. 100% agree on that. Uh, And more from the RC
3: on game design.
1: More coming on that as well.
3: Max K wants to see more hobby episodes. And I will say on the RC design too, like we haven't heard from Mike and he has put his hand up. It's just that his timing for lifestyle and mine don't always match well. So we're going to plan something well in advance so that you've heard from pretty much all the RC voices.
2: Jeremy Altman would love to have some more stuff around Siege games, which that one kind of resonates with me. Siege games were always something I felt were so cool coming up. And I think maybe sometimes we talk about and I'm guilty of this myself and I love it talking about Kings of war through competitive lenses, but maybe we need to do a little bit more around how do you, how can, how can Kings shine in more narrative type games, which siege
3: games are often a really great example of that always been keen for the legendary battles that we got too but I always forget that there I think that's part of being part of the drawback of the companion and it hasn't made its way in and I write all my lists and do everything on companion I don't think it's made its way in yet but you know the the siege to me goes hand in hand with legendary battles I like a, I'm quite keen to give that a go because I've always liked big bigger point games
1: and aramis would like us to do some more shows on panathor lore need to get back to that as well
3: Felix would like to hear from lesser-known kings of war clubs and groups.
1: Danny Graves would love a free dwarf army review. And Ollie Smith would like a salamander's army review. And Paul Collins would love a Racket army review.
3: Keith Gunroy uh, wants best widgets, peripherals, and gaming accessories. Oh,
1: he's talking my language. Have we got room for a 12 hour
2: episode with you, Rob? Did you just feel Rob go from six to midnight when he heard uh, best widget, peripherals, and gaming accessories? <laughs> Gabe Toth wants to hear about various meta strengths and weaknesses versus other parts of the world. And I think this is a really interesting topic because we've talked about meta in general, but I think there is real distinctive metas and I almost call them like continental metas where North America has a meta, Europe UK has a meta, Australia's meta right is very different than um the US meta. So that might be interesting in our meta explorations we don't just explore one meta at a time but maybe we do a little compare and contrast so that's a good suggestion
3: yeah yeah we allude to it a lot but we've never done a formal comparison
2: we've never done it right right matt we've never done a full episode on it we've we, we sprinkle that idea within conversations but we've never had that
1: be the flag of the episode so that's a we should explore that. that's a great great suggestion and john paul fuller jackson i'm gonna sum up his thing by saying cover how to get into kings of war you know, make it organized and and make it easier to follow through all the different topics. He brings up a good point that this information is out there, but it's all spread across the internet. And sometimes it's hard to find, Uh, you're having to hunt for it. And it would be nice if we had an organized list of topics
3: covering things related to getting into the game. Comes back to the something too, that I've discussed with you a couple of times, Rob, whether we convert the website a little bit to not just being a repository for, for podcasts, but Yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then lastly, Donnie wants to hear more about salience, plague and tournament tips for taking games to the next level. Next up, we have our live stream or our YouTube content for the year. So we did roughly about 21 episodes. We didn't do the weekly live stream. We left that behind a little while ago as in the the, frequently managing the time difference was just a little bit difficult. Uh, Jeremy and I have both mentioned how... We'd love to be doing more in this space. And I know Rob would be keen for it as well. It's also, you know, I'm keen to do it, but I'm also not a big YouTuber myself. I don't consume a lot of YouTube content. A visual medium just isn't that practical for me, but I'm happy to produce it. And and so, like, what does it take to get people to watch? So the, the things we've had with it does get quite low views, which I know Kings does in general, and the subscriber count is low compared to, say, the Facebook group or the or the podcast. But part of that is just that there's no regular content. And so tell us, you know, in terms of this, wh- what are some options like, yes, hobby options. I think, Jeremy, your stuff would be convert quite well, because you could almost have a staged process in terms of the multi-basing. I think that's reasonable. But then the hobby stuff can get a little bit harder to produce because it really relies on both ends, having good quality equipment, And then being able to edit with quality, of course. If anyone's got any ideas in that space, if they're not necessarily into doing YouTube themselves, but might be into video editing and and know how to do it and, and could help out, we're certainly very happy to hear about it.
2: If you have expertise in this area, share that expertise with us. I am a big YouTube devourer of content. I love YouTube. So that's one of the reasons why I would love to see us have a more active role in that. So if that's something you have some some expertise in in your professional life and you've been looking for a way to contribute to the show, just like let us know. Uh, we can pick your brain or even if you're interested in maybe helping editing or you want to be a part of the show and sort of helping to drive that section. I, I would say I don't want to speak for the rest of the host, but I think we're all pretty open and would be excited to have someone come in and, and maybe help us in that in that area get more eyeballs on kings of war and youtube i think is a good space to do that yeah.
3: so perfect timing i think too if we've got andy joining mantic and potentially doing some more video stuff if there's multiple places doing more video content at the same time it could really be a good time to grow together
2: yeah rising tides lift all boats why don't we help each other's boats rise yeah well it
3: sounds like a great idea to me mate <laughs>
2: yeah let's get more content one of the things that draws us into miniature war gaming are the models the visuals the grandeur spectacle so i think that it makes sense then to help promote the game is you have to be active in that space
3: and so with that let's slide into another commercial break and you might recognize this name as someone that used to win lots of tournaments hello uh, i'm daniel king uh
0: from the kings of war rules committee and current uk national champion
3: And you're listening to Countercharge. And welcome back. So we'll move on to Kickstarter for 2023. I think uh, you know Rob will get to you soon. But you, I thought you'd banned yourself from Kickstarter, but but obviously not. Uh, Jeremy, do should we start with you? What was your Kickstarter 2023?
2: Yeah, so again, over the last couple of years, we've sort of all talked about taking a step back from Kickstarter for various reasons. For me, it was spending all this money on stuff, and then I don't I forget I even got it, and months later I'm getting stuff in the mail, and I don't even know like what it is. I think in general, you're here as a as a show, we've sort of not done much Kickstarter. But my big one that was delivered this year was Dungeon Saga Origins which I have yet to have a chance to play. But in general, after owning the original Dungeon Saga stuff, the Dungeon Saga Origins, is re- I, w- I was really impressed. I think Mantic did a fantastic job. I think the models are amazing. All the components are amazing. So when we're talking this episode about what Mantic's done well this year and what where areas we think there might be room for improvement, the Dungeon Saga Origins Kickstarter and release to me was a high point when I got that I opened the box and I was like oh these models are amazing and there's all these cool boards and oh my god I can't wait to play all these all these adventures so the one Kickstarter that I did do this year I was really really I felt really satisfied when I got it in my hands I was not at all disappointed
3: I think you're 100% right there too including down to time frame right they just they they delivered when they said they were going to deliver uh, it got here in time for Christmas, and the quality was good. I did, I did a brief unboxing, and you probably can't see the quality of the miniatures because they don't show up that well on the on the little camera I've got. But uh, if you look at the YouTube page, yeah, I, I thought it was a cracking release, turned it around quickly. They were obviously confident that it was going to get up, so I assumed that they'd started some of the production aspects before to to get it out when they said they would. but. You know, it it was a, for me, it was a case of a big win for Mantic.
2: Like you said, it was, here's what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. And we did it. There was no, oh, we got to postpone or the guy who's writing it got sucked into a black hole or or, or whatever, you know, promises were made. And then that that Kickstarter was delivered to me in such a hyper-professional way that it met and exceeded all my expectations. So just again... As Mark would say, tip of the hat to Mantic for uh, a fantastic release.
3: Yeah, and I don't mind them going back to Kickstarter for stuff like that either, you know? Oh, not when it's done that professionally. Yeah, and if it's about an influx of funds and things, that's good too. Yeah, well, I back DSO as well. The only reason I keep making my way back to Kickstarter is because of the bloody Facebook algorithms. And I've only really got Facebook for for groups but you know i keep getting all these random pages now that are linked to kickstarter saying have you seen this on kickstarter and if you are only just seeing this you may still have a chance of the (laughs) of the initial rewards and so i've done dungeon saga i backed a stl kickstarter called rum and raisin from ian lovecraft i think who does a, a lot of stuff Uh, He did a lot of the stuff that I've used in my Japanese themed base aliens and the cried roofie, which I can't remember if it even stands for anything, but basically the hobby kit slash painting palette, uh, which you've backed as well, Rob. So what would you get up to in Kickstarter this year?
1: As a general rule, I try not to use Kickstarter. I, I like to buy stuff locally if I can, but every once in a while you'll find like a small company or something special that's not going to make it to the market. So I did back the same thing in the Karduffy Art Box Kickstarter. I did it under protest because Matt made me do it. <laughs> uh, and then I did back another Kickstarter from Game Envy. They had some collapsible water cups, they just make cool stuff.
2: Still my favorite wet palette. I now own two of them after having used a bunch of the wet palettes it's something it's just it's it's simple to easy to use having those little uh, metal hold downs that are also good at removing mold and moisture quality
1: products from that company we started this discussion like many 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 years ago i remember when it would be like 10 things on there for matt Maybe like i got this stl file and i got these set of paint brushes and i bought this paint and now it's he's got two things on the list which i think is funny
3: I think similar to you, try to do less of that, you know, future purchasing and and get, get stuff from in-stores or from Antic Direct, you know.
1: Now's the part where we really get to hold Jeremy's feet to the fire. We're going to talk hobby commitments. But before we go into 2024, let's look back at 2023. As Jeremy said in the opening, he was not on last year's end-of-the-year review, so we don't have any hobby commitments for 2023. How great is that, Matt, that you don't have any commitments for the year? That's a small positive, isn't it? Everything
2: I did in 2023 was above and beyond my commitment. So not only did I achieve (laughs) my commitments, but I did extra.
3: So F you guys is is the bottom line. (laughs) What do they say about silver linings, you know? And now it's just disappointing for Rob and I that we don't get a chance to, you know, ridicule on failed hobby commitments.
2: I mean, we all know who the bad guys here are. So, and it's not me.
1: <laughs> I had a bunch of commitments from last year. One of them was to paint some salamanders and specifically a 2300 point army for a Depticon. I did paint my army for Adepticon. I actually ended up with almost 3,500 points of Salamanders painted. So that was awesome. I, I, I count that as a win. This one's kind of a loss. I was supposed to get 150 points of GCPS ready for a firefight at Acon. I got the models built. But, you know, I, I tried to go down the, uh, the contrast paint route. And it, you know what? It's just a product that's just not for me. I didn't get there. But even though I was successful on one commitment, failed on another, I'm going to give myself some extra credit. I also painted... Three thousand points of goblins, and I painted seven hundred and fifty point demo armies of Empire Dust and ogres. I'm pretty happy with with my
3: 2023. It's pretty good, and you know we'll get into what I want to do in 2024. I just hope I could even maybe surpass that. All those salamander points. Are you compensating for something, Rob? Absolutely. For me, my commitments were to run an Australia-wide slow grow, which we did. Um- <laughs> I've put a hit a note here. I probably won't do it again anytime soon. I think I'll just stick to the counter charge ones. Well, one thing I think was we had week by week posts.
1: That's too granular,
3: too much. And you know, thankfully, about halfway through, we got more and more help with with running it and collating the stuff. So, so that was great. And I said I would build another m- Mantic army. So my Salamanders army, uh, I've done. I'm up to about twenty five hundred points and still going. I said I'd. Add at least another unit to both the Dragon Empire and the Dwarves. The Dwarves, yes, I did that with some Flame Belchers, um, but not the Dragon Empire, so I failed on that one. And I said get my undead back on the table, uh, which I did not do. I just haven't been able to to gel with them. So in terms of uh, motivation, I've sent that to Tony's Shed, so it's being played with there. Uh, but I personally haven't played with it in 2023. Jeremy? Uh, like like whilst we didn't have commitments for you any 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 comments on the on the twenty twenty three hobby for you
2: the beginning of twenty twenty three was a tough time for me, as many of you guys know I've been pretty open about it on the podcast of uh and anyone knows who goes through a divorce it's not very fun, but I am proud I did get in the beginning of twenty twenty three done I painted a forge father firefight army for the tournament at adepticon. And it won Best Painted. So I was really excited about that. That project of Forge Fathers began as i I'm going to do Slap Chop Contrast Paint quick, which started that way, but the, the, the painter within me uh, wasn't, uh, couldn't just leave it at that. So I really took that project as far. And I found really in that project that you can begin with Slap Chop and Contrast, and then you can take that to whatever level you want. And that's really what those paints I think can be in anyone's toolbox as a way to, you can use those in quick paint jobs and really high end paint jobs and uh, speed painting doesn't those uh, paints don't just have to be used for quick paint jobs. You can use them as a tool for lots of different things. So really excited that I finished my, as I call them, my dark, my dark fathers, my firefight forge father army, sort of painted in the uh, ivory and uh, green of uh, dark angels You know, I'm really excited that I painted almost half a TK army since release. So my fall was really busy. Got a lot of stuff done in the fall. Started off slow. And I got around the block with the firefight guys. And then once we got into late summer, early fall, I had my mojo back. And I was able to get work on the Twilightkin army. Again, I still don't have a new full completed... (laughs) mantic army for kings of war that i wanted for the last couple years but i at least feel like i'm on the track walking now and hopefully by the end of this year i will have that finished so still some stuff i think anytime you can win an award at adepticon that's pretty exciting and happy so and that was really what i was hoping for that adepticon was to try to get my firefight stuff done to a nice level and was able to do that so
1: well now's the fun part matt let's get into 2024 I, I am looking here, though. The Jeremy only has three commitments, and you know, Matt, you have five, and I have six. It's like, is he a slacker? What's what's up with that?
3: <laughs> uh, I know. We love how uh, Jeremy's taking the route that I tried to take last year, which was be way more conservative. I think, and I still didn't meet them all.
2: Google it. They're called SMART goals, and it's one. It's, it's a great. It's a great uh, acronym oh. because. Mm. The A in SMART goals means achievable, so it's be specific, be measurable, be achie- achievable, be relevant, and be time bound. So that's S M A R T, a SMART goal. So the A in SMART goal is achievable. So I'm this year embodying the SMART goal philosophy by setting goals that I think are achievable. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Jeremy, why don't you why don't you go into your three goals for 2024?
3: It shouldn't take long.
2: Yeah, I'll be happy to express to you my smart goals for 2024. I will have my all Mantic TK army done by the end of 2024.
1: So that well, what's is what's funny though. His own... it, goal, Matt says, hoping to finish. That's not a commitment. That's a.
2: Well, the yeah. commitment is it will be done. I goals had I'm to be hoping.
3: firm. I like I'm it. Yeah, so hoping... I thought so too.
2: I'm hoping to finish the TK by Adepticon or Riddle of Steel. The army will be done by 2024. I mean, oh, okay. uh, I've already got a big chunk of it chunk, big chunk of it done. The challenge I think will be, and that's why I'm trying to institute project operation broccoli is to get the hordes of the two hordes of infantry done that are in my list. Uh, uh, so I'm really going to try to focus on them in the beginning of the year. while I have beginning of the year hobby mojo is like, how can I best use my hobby mojo bandwidth? And it's going to be, I think, in doing the monotony of painting two hordes of infantry. But in the end, by the end of 2024, I will have an all-mantic Twilightkin army finish that is both competitive and also painted at the very best, highest level that I personally can do. So that is my uh, smart goal for this year. So I'm reading this,
1: Matt. He's got one goal, which is to paint a Twilightkin army.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's split into three. But like you said, the hope, I thought the S in smart was specific. I didn't think hoping was very specific.
2: Well, I guess uh, the when in the year... Is maybe not so smart of when it will be done. It will oh, okay. be done by the. It will be done by the the end of the year. Well, cut you some slides, Jeremy. You weren't here last year, so you don't know how this, how we do this. I get it. Well, you know, yeah, I've been working and struggling in my life to find self confidence that I'm a good person, worthy of love, and I, I, I appreciate you guys <laughs> are continuing to teach me that I'm not. So uh, just dump, 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 dump uh, away. Continue uh, the dumpage. Here we go. Thankfully, oh, his camera's God.
3: not on. Yeah. yeah, oh, like, well, yeah. it's not on
2: because I don't want to have you guys see me cry. So
3: anyway, <laughs> I um, can yeah, I, you I, know I? I'm I, putting another request out to Paige right here though. We need a oh, we gosh. need an Operation Broccoli meme. Please, an Operation I Broccoli meme. Yeah, maybe it's like Jeremy. You can just be there normally, and Rob and I are there, but our heads are broccoli.
2: You know, I try not to confine Paige. I want his uh, creative spirit to run free. So wherever the muses take you, Paige, I am happy to support you in your artistic growth. And again, I return to
3: Suck It. Just make it positive, Paige. You need someone to build him up now after we've we've brought him down. Rob, I have taken the opposite path and I've been stupid and gone away from achievable and smart goals because... I'm, um, you know, at least three-quarter lunatic. So I um, want to paint another 1,000 points of salamanders. I want to paint another 1,000 points of halflings. I've pretty much got bang on 2,300. I'll get a fair chunk of the way there with a couple of aeronaut regiments. I also need more infantry. Infantry is haven't really what I haven't got. So that, that'll be interesting in, in how I can get that out. I want to get a horde of sisters out for Basalia. I've had a base there already done with a bridge in the theme with unpainted rocks you clowns for about two years and and i just haven't got around to to doing it mostly because i get demotivated jeremy you guys talked about this in the scrying gem episodes about the things that motivate you into the hobby had to get there and part of it is that the the sisters models i have which are essentially geisha type models they have these little umbrellas but you've got to stick the, the parasol bit onto the this the stick of the umbrella and so you know that's been that's pretty demotivating i want to produce 2300 points of northern alliance and uh there's a drowned dead, dead army which essentially is already printed up, but i just want to get in there for a bit of a bit of a theme army and and practice well not practice but have, dabble in kind of doing some re- resin and some cool multi-basing for that now rob do you want to move on to your 33 items
1: It's only seven, but I do want to paint another 1,000-point of Salamanders. There's a few things that I have the models for that I'd like to just round out the army. Uh, Specifically, I'm going to paint up some more Salamanders to to play Ancients. I want to play some Fire Elementals, some Greater Fire Elementals. And then we talked about this earlier. I I want to paint some of the Corsairs now that they have the Corsair upgrade bits available in the vault. Uh, And then I do want to paint 1000 points to the Force of Nature. Now, what's interesting is I'm not intending to make this a big, giant army. I kind of just want to, like channel back my inner younger Rob when I would go to Adepticon and play in the team event for Warhammer where I would just like this is just a standoff 1,000 point army. I want to do that and maybe that's for the Adepticon team doubles event. I'm not sure yet. Then I do want to paint a 750 point Twilightkin demo army. I need to make the basing match the EOD and the Ogre so they're all kind of on the same brain and table i do want to paint 2500 points of night stalkers just know that everything's already built i still have to base it it's a little cheating there Uh, i do want to paint another 2500 point army i don't know what i have a lot of halflings i have a lot of everything
3: as you were talking i just keep getting reminded that the that the trident realm refresh is coming and i've always been fascinated by them and i can see that derailing my hobby commitments because i reckon whatever they do is going to be awesome
1: I have a forces of nature, an underwater forces of nature army that was built many years ago that are sitting over there. Uh, now they have metal Molochs. That's going to have to be fixed. <laughs> I don't know if I want to keep rocking metal Molochs. Like you, though, this is our commitments as of today. Not to say there won't be more additional ones and it'll be hard to not lose focus because there's going to be some other cool stuff coming out, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I want another army, right? I, the, the Night Soakers I'm planning to airbrush, but then I do want to do another, like, Traditional painted army. I, I don't know. May, maybe at some point I'll put up a poll on the charge Facebook page and see what people want me to put together. I have lots of different armies, uh, and then to round it out, I've got a couple non Kings of War ones. I, I want to paint 200 points of uh, my Northern Alliance Armada fleet. The thing about Armada is you don't really know what you're buying. Like you don't really understand how many mod, how many points these. So I bought like two starters, two uh, uh, the add-on boxes. It's like i got like 500 points of ships. I can't even never use that much. Regardless, I I do why do you paint up 200 points of Northern Alliance for Armada that I picked up last year at Adepticon. So, And then maybe this is the year that I get 1,500 points of GCPS painted. I have seven goals. They're in order of priority to me, you know? So you'll see Kings of War is the priority, and hopefully I'll get to Armada and,
3: and GCPS too.
1: Matt, are you going to finish all those? You got five really tough armies there.
3: It's uh, a lot of points. Probably not. I certainly don't put the smart in smart.
1: When you don't
2: fi- finish, Matt, I'm going to be really loving and supportive of the <laughs> progress you did complete, and not try to bring you down at all. I'm going to be your friend and compatriot and
3: all those things. So that's why we love you, Jeremy. Everyone needs a friend that's that's a better person than them, you know, and that's that's you for me. Okay. Well. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, with that, let's take another quick commercial break. And on the other side, we're going to get into our favorite
3: Mantic releases for 2023. We'll be right back.
1: I'm just Fletcher, the reigning Masters champion, and you're listening to Counter Charge.
3: And welcome back. And now we're going to move on to our favorite Mantic releases for 2023. Jeremy, should we start with you?
2: Roughly from three to one, but I love all these releases, but you, you have to find some some order, I guess. I really love how the Companion has continued to grow over the year, adding more content, more PDFs. Uh, I think I'm on the Companion all the time, uh, building lists and looking at stuff. So I feel the, the money that I've invested in the Companion has paid back in spades. I guess my only thing is, and I understand the feasibility of this is probably hard based on how it was originally designed. I would still love a traditional app, and not a web, web-based web app. I would love to, to have a more sort of, I guess, app to, to, to work, work through. But I still love it. Great. If you're not subscribed to the companion, t- uh, definitely check it out. My number two is the Mantic Vault. And it's gotten to a point now where one of my, and I should have mentioned this in the hobby goals for 2024. One of my hobby goals by the end of 2024 is going to be entering into the world of 3D printing. So I'm working right now to try to get a space in my garage so I can get a, a folding table and have a 3D printing sort of area set up. So I'm going to be picking the brains of all you guys, both on the show and in the audience, when I'm ready for that, of you know which 3D printer. And maybe that would be a fun episode where, I want to get into... Th- I, know we, I know we've done 3D printing episodes in the past, but maybe we can do one where it's like, instead of how Stella got her groove back, how did Jeremy get into 3D printing? And I can just have people on the episode tell me, okay, Jeremy, get this printer. This is what you should look out. This is the space you need. But I really want to get into 3D printing, especially since my project after Twilight King for Kings of War will be doing a Jugger and Stalwart heavy... Uh, french medieval themed halflings from the dukedom of croissant so i really want to be printing when i do my french medieval halflings so i really need to have a printer done by them so anyway so one of my big uh uh
3: well you still need some grenadiers as well jeremy
2: exactly i'm just gonna Mm. go with it you started the sort of french (laughs) halflings things and i'm just gonna continue it uh, continuing on You know, uh, I think it's both a funny and then also I love that blue and silver and yellow. That is awesome. Yeah, I love that idea, mate.
3: Yeah.
2: So they're going to be kind of like Bretonian slash French medieval halflings. So I have a bunch of cool ideas for how I want to paint that and model that army. And I think if you haven't already listened to the halfling army review that they just did, it's really great job, Rob. That was really a fantastic episode. I think that's a really fun faction. So I'm excited. And I think they'll they'll be really different to the Twilight Kin. So I think that will be a good change of pace after doing the Dark and Evil Twilight Kin. I can do a shiny, good halfling army. So that's on the agenda. And then number one, probably my what my favorite release from Mantic this year were the impalers for Twilight Kin. That kit, when you put it together and when you paint it, it feels like a AAA hard plastic kit that you would expect from any company. It's designed amazingly. It goes together like butter. The detail is there. It's fun to paint. It checks all the boxes that I want in a unit for no matter which company produced it. So to me, that's one of my favorite units from the Twilight Kin release. And also, I just think uh, from a design perspective and a, uh, a, a realization of an idea, I think it's just a fantastic model and a really great unit. So that was my favorite uh, unit from this year. What about you, Matt?
3: For me at number three, I had the Frostclaws. I just think that's a great, you know, say what you want about the 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 rock making them feel good. It's, um, you know, I think they're just on, on average a, a really nice model and, a, and a, a nice direction for them to be taking. And that kind of pairs with the, the direction with the army overall. Uh, number two was was the Vault. I think the Vault's a really good start. I don't think they've gone anywhere near far enough yet, but I think it's a good start. And uh, number one for me is the Companion releases um, along with, you know, COC-24 uh, releases in the Companion, you know, being able to keep things up to date. So, yeah, I'll keep that short and sweet for me. What about you, Rob? I've got a lot
1: of overlap with you guys. Uh, number three for me is the Mantic Vault. I think it's just great, um, especially for getting access to the more expensive resin upgrades like ceremonial guard. I mean, I, I can see that coming on the vault at some point, you know, but all the halfling stuff and reforge upgrades, I think it's just awesome. And let's be honest, it's not expensive. You pay more for a cup of coffee at Starbucks than I do for the monthly fee for that. So uh, that's a big one. And my number two is outside the realms of Kings of War. It's actually the Walking Dead dice game. Always been a big fan of the the zombie dice game. The Walking Dead dice game is like zombie dice, but turned up to 11. You know, the rules are reversed. You're not a zombie. You're actually a survivor. You're trying to fight off other survivors and, 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 and zombies. But it has a cool dice mechanic that simulates limited ammunition. Um, there's also a deck of cards that are, provides a variety of the, the adversaries. So really great, fun game. Any if, if, if you have anybody that's doesn't really like board games, but they, you know, maybe are Into the Walking Dead, it's it's a no-brainer. It's super awesome. And my number one is the the Mantic Digital Companion. You know, I love having access to the books in the list builder, you know, and I love, you know, I I, I love everything about it. It's so much faster than even looking it up on the PDF, right? It's just awesome. Uh, Let's get into the community responses, and you're going to hear some overlap between your responses and some of ours. We'll start with Ben Starter. He just said the Twilight Kin range.
3: Mm-hmm. Mark Zelensky liked the Arson awesome Shadow 2 player starter set.
1: Yeah, Paige, Neo loves
2: the plastic ogre kit. You know, the, the new plastic ogres, Mantic, did this last year. Another fantastic release.
1: Yeah, and Max K. loves the Northern Alliance ambush kit, which includes David Fanning's favorite, Frostclaws, uh, which is also what Jeremy Altman likes too, along with Gabe Toth and Donnie Croche. When you were talking about the Frostclaws, I was like, look at this list. I'm like, a third of the list is... People love the
3: Frost Claws. For sure. Erasmus liked the plastic butchers in the new Night Stalker kit, which I agree, That an awesome upgrade.
2: Yeah, Felix Castro. Uh, and I wonder if he loves this because he is now uh, <laughs> on the RC. Loves
3: his own work.
2: Yeah, he loved the Clash of Kings in 2024. He's like, oh yeah, Felix is pretty great. I love that guy, Felix.
3: Do you reckon he's high fiving himself in his murder basement? Yeah, I, you know, you know
2: I, I, in the murder basement, <laughs> he's uh, you know high
3: fiving his victims and being
2: like, "Oh yeah, the world's coming up, Felix, right now." So congratulations <laughs> to you, my friend, along with Ollie Smith, Paul Collins, John Paul Fuller Jackson. Which again, I'm with you, Rob. What a great name! All love the Clash of Kings 2024.
1: It's kind of cheating though, right, guys? Like they pick a book that's got like hundreds and hundreds of changes. You're never going to be wrong. No one's ever going to argue with you. Oh, no, the, the book, that was not their best release. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a solid thing. And to close this out, we had Danny Graves said he likes the Firefight update along with the Gordrate model. So it was a great set of releases in 2024.
3: Uh, on that, why don't we slide into the what we would like Mantic to improve in 2024. Rob, wh- wh- why don't we kick off with you for this one?
1: Jeremy kind of mentioned it in the open that, you know, th- these shows are also uh, a way for us to reflect back on the year and, you know, internally into the podcast, but the community as a whole and Mantic Games. So in that spirit of, hey, there's always things we can do better. So I've got four and I'll start with my last one. My number four is we need to add an offline mode to the, D- the Mantic Digital product, right? Like you got to be able to build army lists and look at the rules without an internet connection. That's important. And My number three is more, I'd like to see them do this. At some point, the Ophidians have to be released. For me, there's a lot of overture back to when they released Trident Realms. When the Trident Realms came out, it was like this unique take. There was not really a fantasy army like that before. Now, obviously, if they're going to bring out Ophidians, they're going to have to consolidate an army. You know, I don't want them to keep growing the number of armies. So that probably means a theme list or two have to get rolled into their master list. But uh, I would love to see the Ophidians come out. And my number two is Mantic's got to improve their quality control. It's a a common refrain on various Facebook groups. You know, we have mispackaged parts. I'm also seeing a lot of, you know, resin casting issues where, like, the resin wasn't mixed correctly, so the resin's still a little sticky, or there was some mold slip. I'm all for paying what these things are worth. But if I'm going to pay that premium price, my expectation is these need to be perfect, right? They need to be really good. This is an area that they can improve on. And then let's get into my number one. Mantic needs an organized retail strategy for the United States. That's the best way I can describe it. But let me break it down a little further. Number one, we need a released organized play kit. Sounds simple, but we haven't had one. They really need to add a warehouse to the US. I don't know how it is in Australia, but here, like if we place an order, it might be a month before we get the product to the store. The problem with that is people cancel the orders and they go buy it online from somebody else that already has it. We just need to have better access to, to the product. And I think. A U.S. warehouse would increase that. And then the third piece of this retail strategy, the days of ship dates, that was 1996. (laughs) Give us a release date. You ship the product to the store, they hold it, and then they release it on a set day. Everybody gets the same product At the same time, that's how everybody else in the market does it. From Magic the Gathering to Games Workshop, it allows the products to be available to everyone on the same day. I mean, I can only speak for my own specific case, but our store, three or four weeks after order to get product. By that point, the excitement's gone. The Northern Alliance stuff came out. By the time we get it, people have moved on to the next thing. You know, it really cuts down on spontaneous purchasing. The fourth piece, which they're not ranked in any order, but this one's really, really important. Mantic really needs to take a look back and understand the impact that their digital product portfolio is having on their wider retail strategy. You know, locally, our sales of the Clash of Kings book were substantially impacted because it's available online. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it would have been good if the store would have known that was coming and maybe they would have not bought so many books. The same thing with The Vault. My store has tons of Armada stuff. They can't give it away. It's all available you know, on The Vault. Really, it's about communication. Talking to these retail stores... Telling them what you've got planned right so they're, they're a partner in this rather than they finding out when everybody else finds out so i don't know if any of that resonated with you guys so i'll, I'll let you guys riff it a little bit and i'll say to rob through growth sometimes has catalysts
2: right and sometimes those catalysts aren't fun but real positive growth can come out of it and we have always been champions for mantic champions for their game systems but i think we've come to a time where it's important for us both in maintaining our integrity and the integrity of the show and also continuing to want to be champions for Mantic and see them uh, grow and become a great company that I think it's important for us to be able to, to say critiques. because I think it's hard. We, we exist within an environment where we're constant champions. We're trying to grow the community. So how do we find spaces where we can leverage critiques? or have an idea, or create a space where we can say Mantic does this great. But in our opinion, based on what we see, granted, we're not in the Mantic warehouse, right? We're not at Mantic HQ. We don't know the uh, financial, logistics, the real world issues that that company struggles with, we're, we don't know because we're not in it, nor, nor do we have the right to know. I mean, they're a company, they're good, they have a right to run the company how they want to do it. We are dialed into many communities, many stores. So we do hear through our shore a sense of what the greater community feels. And I think that's where really these critiques are coming from, is they're coming from a sense of stuff that we've experienced ourselves. We can speak to what we experience, right? And also we can speak to what people within our gaming groups and gaming groups surrounded through. I mean, we're representing two continents, you know, multiple countries. So there are trends and themes that we hear. So I know for me, I feel like when it comes to this idea of failing forward, our downstream investment of not being risk adverse, of being okay and trying something new and failing in some areas, I think Mantic is really great about that. Where they're, we're going to just try something and see how it goes. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, we're going to try to learn from our experience. In other areas, I think you often hear, well, we only have two people in the warehouse, or well, we're really a small company, or, and it's like, I get that. At some point, you have to find a way to exist within that confines and still grow. So, how do we grow and evolve as a company within certain criteria that we have no power to change? There's at times where, you know, I talk about it a lot on the show the growth first fixed mindset of is my first response to a critique going to be well the reason why we struggle there is because of x y or z or is the response going to be you know this is an area that we want to improve we're struggling to improve in that area because of these criteria that are out of our control but we're still going to try something new i would love to see around certain issues a little bit more robust idea of communication with their local uh, and the retailers is a big one is is there's elements of mantix retail delivery that in my opinion is just just not working great sometimes it does like the dungeon saga release was amazing but i know it's frustrating i went through it with twilight kin where i was so excited to do twilight kin and i had to wait weeks from when other people had it. Not only other people had it, but other people in the community who were sent stuff early to paint and be a part of that release process. And I'm sitting here just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting with no real answer other than, well, it's easier to ship the smaller orders, so we start there. After a while, I'm just like, come on, guys. This is the the 21st century. So I I agree with you, Rob. I think they need to try to find a space with how they ship new releases to maintain the excitement and to work better with their retailers. If I'm a retailer and I'm ordering Mantic and I have no idea when and if and how many weeks it's going to be until I get a product and then the product I get is missing stuff or has no instructions, how do I then grow that space? Because I'm dedicated to Mantic. I'm going full Mantic. I think for us to grow the hobby, we need more people using Mantic models. I think that's true wherever you look in the world where the Mantic in Kings of War is growing. It's in areas where people are using Mantic models. So I think finding a way for Mantic to get in more retail spaces and to create goodwill among retail business owners. I just I think it's really important, you know, become invested in being reliable, you know, become invested on identifying what your company does well and what are the things that you're struggling with and try to find a way to do those things better. And I think you see that. I think some of the new hires that they made is it's obvious that they realize the areas. I think this is pro- we're probably telling them things that they know. And again, we're doing this from a perspective of we realize we're not in your company. So this is all just stuff from us being community members, from our outside perspective. It's
1: the perspective of a customer.
2: Yeah. And I just really hope that they see this as a... We are not trying to, you know, just dump or be negative or whatever. It's just stuff that we've realized that we've seen that we would love to see better. So, you know, it's really so it's really thinking about how do we make sure that people are getting the product when they when when it comes out? How do we get people excited when they get the product and it's correct? It's correctly packaged. It has all the same things. How do we allow people to take part and interact with our different apps, whether they're online or not online? I am tired a little bit of hearing well, we're a small company. There's a lot of small companies who do things really well. They're getting stuff with instructions and there's release dates and there's some of the stuff that Mantic struggles with that there seems to be a recipe that other small companies can do. I am starting to get a little frustrated with the first response to every issue expressed is, well. We're a small company. I don't know. What do you think, Matt?
3: Yeah, I, I think that excuse only now flies in terms of the amount that they can release. I run a small company, I own a small company and I deliver and it's no excuse for lack of quality control anymore. Uh, Rob, you got the sword clanks ready? The, the compliment sandwiches are gone. Release the croger, okay? <laughs> quality control, there is absolutely no excuse anymore. For years and years, there's been talk about miss packs and things like that. If it's all pre-boxed, Every fox in that warehouse needs to be opened up and checked. There is no excuse for delivering mispacks anymore. Like my last two big models, which like you said, Rob, the resin has become expensive, had wrong legs in them. Right? There's ways to control those things. And like I understand people are under pressure, but there's there's ways, there's processes to put in place. And it's all about where you put priorities as people who run a company. If there was something wrong in them in service delivery in my company, it would be Stop everything, go and check every single instance of this, and let's find out where the problem is.
1: Customer service 101 is is always cheaper to keep the customers you already have than to buy new ones. Right. Anything that can affect you losing
3: customers, that needs to be the priority. And tied into that is first experience counts. So, if I wasn't someone who was already sold on the game and they've just bought, it doesn't, uh, to, to be fair, it doesn't seem to happen with their bigger boxes. It's more the smaller individual pieces. But if, if someone's bought that and they've spent a lot of money on their first box and they get that, there is a chance that they say, not going to bother. No matter how good the after service is at replacement, which is good, it shouldn't happen in the first place anymore. So that, that's that's where I'm aligned with you, Rob.
2: Yeah, the response to your missing legs shouldn't be, oh, well, we have a great customer service, just email us and we'll be happy to replace them. That shouldn't be seen as the acceptable response in that case. It should be, well, let's not just treat the symptom, let's treat the cause. It's a short-term fix, not the long-term fix. Why was it missing in the first place? Yeah. And that's when I talk about the excuse thing is that they immediately go to, oh, well, just email us, we'll be happy to replace it. That stuff shouldn't be happening in the first place.
3: Well, and it's... It's been going too long so like teething issues are okay but like to, to have it continually talked about it is now a reputation it is now a reputation that I don't I, I have no confidence that I'll go open the slasher model and that I won't have to ask for a new piece you know so as someone who is promantic and as I mean we say it many times at the show is transparency we're not promant we're promantic because we want to be In the amount of years, you know, I've been with the show and Jeremy, you're the same, haven't received a free thing. We're not generally promantic. We're we're in terms of because we're receiving stuff, like we just want this company to succeed. And unfortunately now there's a reputation for lack of quality in delivery. So moving on from that because that's probably the biggest bugbear, I want them to use the vault more widely to gain traction with a new community uh, because they now have people targeting their IP. One-page rules. Released what is essentially a Night Stalker faction, I think it was a couple of months ago. And now it's just been announced Titan Forge and One Page Rules are in partnership. They're not one company, but they're in significant partnership. So the chance for disruption or targeting Mantic's product only grows. Titan Forge have typically been more on the Ninth Age, and who knows what we'll see now, because we know that Mantic. Uh, will continue to go their own path in terms of their rules, which is great and we can contri- contribute to um, promoting their own product. 3D strategy has to be part of that strategy and somehow, like you said, Rob mold that with you know meld that with what what stores are going to get, which I kind of like the mixed plastic resin approach, but I think they need to have something that's more on the on the 3D printing end. I'd originally written this, get get the RC some help, but probably kind of goes to get the volunteers some help. And this is certainly not a knock on the RC at all because they're doing an amazing job. But just in terms of they are being given an ever-increasing job in terms of uh, basically creating flavour through this slightly more complexity, which with the more complexity comes the risk of more issues around wording. You know, we're seeing it with things like secured position, Um, the new wording for uh, loot tokens and things like that. And um, there was a question on our Discord about Surge the other day. And I know these things are being discussed and they might even be resolved, but they're not being pushed out. There was the Facebook page. And I don't think it should be the RC's responsibility to necessarily communicate their own decision. I think there could be a person who's not even part of the RC dedicated to that as is kind of like a community rep to the RC so that they're seeing everything. Um, but they need to be supported in their incredibly hard job and uh, so that while we've had more transparency in how they're going about things in some ways there's almost less transparency in quick resolution of decision making around them being communicated to the community being communicated to the community so uh, we we need that boosted a little bit and then my last thing is to keep fixing the companion and the to software Um, it's it's No one loves the TO software and giving plenty of feedback, I'd encourage Mantic look towards the external opinions of people who've run more tournaments than anyone internally because at the moment, there's plenty of people who just will not use it. And and unfortunately, with it being a big job for Elliot, like the new scenarios, we updated the blackjack scoring for the new scenarios, but there's no guarantee it'll be updated anytime soon into the app, which means that maybe if you're having to use the tournament companion software like for clash then we can't use the new scenarios which would be disappointing and that's not to say that like elliot's not able to do things quickly enough it's just that there's obviously a lot to do but this stuff in terms of the app being holistically good needs to be fixed and I don't know, I'm, I'm sympathetic and non-sympathetic at the same time. Like I'm sympathetic in that it's a huge job for Mantic to deliver this new style of thing. But if you're going to put it out there, it's going to be good. If you're going to sell a product, it's got to be good.
1: It only helps them if they get people to use the TO software because that gives them data of what armies are being played. You know, what do the lists look like? What units are being taken? Anything they can do to get people to use the software as part of the, the tournaments, I think is only going to help the RC collect data.
3: And when I'm giving feedback on that kind of thing, I, I never do it. As my own opinion, I make sure I've bounced it off other tournament players, you guys, whatever, you know, is this is this just me being me? <laughs> you know, I try and have some self-awareness or, or is this what the community is saying? And everything I've always delivered back on things like the companion is what pretty much the entire community is saying. I mean, look at, you know, someone like Alex won't go near the tournament companion software. You know, and there's plenty of people who are the same at the moment. So, you know, hopefully we see improvements in that. But I don't know. I've that's my bit of a rant over. Have you guys got anything else to add before we move on to the community responses? The way I look at it, it's an
1: opportunity. It's an opportunity to keep getting better and better and better, and to grow your market share. Be open to trying
2: new things. Listen to voices. Identify what are the things you can change. What the, what can't you change? But then don't be afraid to like think outside the box either, and think about well, maybe we can try this, or 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 maybe we can try that. Again, these are all our opinions, but they're opinions that are informed by the conversations that we are lucky to have being on the show in that these conversations don't know borders. We have people communicating all over the world. And there are these trends that sort of float to the top of the pot, you know, that people are experiencing. You know, if you have an area where there's people playing kings of war, but this local store won't carry your, your romantic product, instead of being like, well, no one will buy it. You know, what do we do? Talk to the store owner talk to the group of players at that store. Why aren't you buying it? And I think it's not just going to be because we just don't want to, as they cackle madly, they're probably going to have some thoughts on why they are not buying Mantic models. Maybe it's because they don't know when they're going to get it or whatever the reasons why. I think that there is some logic there that maybe you can explore to think about, You know, especially in the US. I mean, I don't know if Australia, but I mean, If you go into a store in the US and they have Mantic product, it's like, oh my gosh, am I in Alice in Wonderland? Did I drink the small vial? Did I go down the rabbit hole? You know, so how do we fix that?
3: I I think in Australia, it's certainly the case. Like there's barely any stores that carry it. And so I can understand that they might have, that might make them put decreased effort into store. And and part of that in Australia is, well, you're pretty much, there's actually not a huge amount of game stores. So you're going to have to ship it anywhere. So they're just as likely to buy it from an online retailer. So which makes it difficult because I have like there is no doubt in my mind that when we had a local store where we were playing all the time here that also was willing to stock Mantic product is that the game grew better.
2: I think they're linked. I really think there's a great episode we did with Ash Barker from Guerrilla Miniature Gaming where him and I had the conversation about what is it about going into a game store, seeing a game played, wanting to get into that game, and then asking the store owner, oh, where on the shelf is the models for this game? There's something about when you're playing a game that you feel has community buy-in where the people you're playing with are using the models of that game. The stores where you play are selling the models of that company. And there is a part of ownership that we as the community have to make, which is we need to invest in the hobby. And part of that was, well, Mantic, you need to make better models, which in many ways they've done, right? In some Mm -hmm. ways, Mantic has really stepped up to the plate in their responsibility of build it and they will come like we need to make better models and then those better models will sell so they've really taken ownership of that idea in some ways right credit where credit is due
3: i agree and i think that's also where some of the good stuff about the ambush boxes is if i was a store owner i'd basically only be stocking ambush or the single models that are really nice that transcend game systems right so um something like the fire drake can transcend game systems except for the fact that like titan Basins, maybe don't in in other game systems or the phoenix or things like that some of these really nice centerpiece models the giants i don't know if i was a game store if i'd stock army boxes at the moment
2: terrain crate is another one right the things that would work across game systems and I think that's where Rob sort of organized play is how can Mantic not only get Mantic product into stores, but how can they continue through Pathfinders or whatever, create mm. the infrastructure around helping stores build.
3: The community. Well, like you said, some of that terrain crate and stuff or the ambush box or a centerpiece model, like I said, only doing ambush or centerpiece model stocking, you know, that that can be the amuse bouche into, into Mantic, right? It's the little taster exactly. at the start and then they go, oh, what else have we got from this company?
2: Yeah, you know, and it's just like, how do we work around these issues that we know that we have? That is a buzzkill, man. When you're excited for a new release and you've pre-ordered it through your local store and then you see for weeks people online getting their stuff before you, that is not fun. And I know mm-hmm. that there's all these reasons and I, I know there's reasons and yada, yada, blah, blah. I want my stuff, man. And I want to be excited. I, want, I can't wait to put my stuff together and post it on Facebook and show people how great your models are and how fun your game is. But there needs to be a little bit of um, openness to look at why are we not able to do that consistently. For sure. And then if it's for a set reason, have a game plan be like okay we only have a couple people in the warehouse well okay how do we design a system in the warehouse that can function better with less people or how do we do this or how do we do that but um i feel like their challenge especially under the specter of other games coming out this year that are of this genre rank and flank wargaming, how do we get our product in the stores how do we grow the how do we grow the scene how do we get more people playing which in my opinion by far the best fantasy miniature games on the market. The best rank and flank mass combat game I've ever played. One of the funnest, most robust games and awesome community. And, you know, I love Ronnie and I love so many people in Magic. You guys are like, have this golden egg of this awesome game system. So how do we work better to get it in front of more eyes? you know, how, how do we
3: do that? So let's move on to our community responses now. Uh, so Mark Zielinski wants big surprise, wants more ambush. I think every new army will see a new ambush box. So I'd say that'll be coming.
2: Yeah. And just ambush in general, what a way to pivot from Vanguard, you know, of, of, and this is a great example of mantic thinking and listening, right? Which is Vanguard was a ideally an introduction to the Kings of War universe, but they were hoping maybe the Kings of War game and it didn't quite work. So they came up with ambush, which is a fantastic way to get into the game. I love that the ambush kits are similar to the formation. So it's right off the bat, you're building something you can use. So Paige says, focus on pushing core games to a new audience. So again, this is how do we get our core games? How do we get Kings? How do we get Firefight? How do we get them in, into people who have never tried them?
1: How do we get new people playing our games? I love the fact, looking over this list, that there's some overlap to what we just said. John Paul Fuller Jackson says, one thing Manta can do in 2024 is pump up their marketing and disclosure of timelines where possible. Lots of kings of war hobbyists planning months or years in advance, and so knowing some things helps. It's all tied back to what I was talking about before, you know, communicating to the stores, communicating to the community. What are you guys doing? What's coming out? It's important. I really
2: love what they did for Firefight. They had like the Firefight roadmap where it was like an image where they said, in November, this is coming out. In October, this is coming out. Again, we talked about that at that time where the companion is just aching to have a roadmap section where it shows you over the next six to eight months and do like all dates effective, you know, subject to change. But at least give me like a roadmap of what you think is coming out over the next. Four to six months, I think, is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Build the hype train.
3: Dave Fanning says, don't stop the momentum, which building the hype train.
2: Max K, continue to strengthen IP through army design, which I love and fits into the whole sort of Magic 2.0 and the whole rewriting Panathor series that you did, Matt, which is how do we continue to build the IP and robust storytelling
1: in Panathor through the actual game design? How can they play off each other? Jeremy Altman says, keep giving each army richer, unique flavor. And he has a suggestion, Mantic Fantasy Terrain. I love it. I mean, I, I would love to see some hard plastic fantasy terrain or even
3: the PVC stuff like they did with the uh, the most recent Kickstarter. Erasmus, keep, keep, keep an eye on the game getting more complex.
2: Felix Casho continued to refine Mantic IP. And I think Erasmus and Felix, we, there's a lot of conversation around finding that give and take of adding depth and complexity while also keeping the easy to learn lifetime to master of Kings. And I think that's something that's going to be, they're going to have to explore that a little bit, right? Like that's going to have, you know, organically happen because not everyone is going to want the same thing. Some people are like, give it to me as simple as possible where other people are saying are aching for more nuance or more complexity. So I think that's just a conversation we should have as a community over the next year with, Ourselves and with Mantic on where we feel we're at, where where is the game doing well and adding complexity and where is complexity added for no no sake, right? Like it doesn't have to be this complex.
3: Keith Conroy said, an all SDRL army for, for the vault. He said, maybe the herd. No personal bias there, Keith. And, and Ollie said, flesh out the miniature ranges, which I think is where the vault could be really useful. For example, the the or Lancers, I'll throw the Comet on in there, other things along those lines.
2: You know, we'll be talking about it in the base alien review, but a, a perfect example for me is like taking the updated sisterhood design from Vanguard and make it printable, right? Because there's still no way to get the update, you know? So think about the work you've already done. And I think the vault's been a great place for that. And how do you make that work and energy that you've already invested in
1: accessible to people? Paul Collins says, make product more available in Australia. And when I read that, what resonates with me is that, you know, there are people in the world that don't really do the 3D printed thing. Mm. You do need to have product available. Physical product needs to be available. Doesn't have to be every army. You know, you need to have options for people. However people want to engage in and in, in interact with your game, you got to have a way to, for them to do that. And then I guess the, the last one we have was GameTop says, get the image export to work on Mantic Companion in browsers on iOS. Probably a lot of little uh, quality of life features that can probably still be added to the Mantic Companion. One we mentioned before,
3: <laughs> make it offline. Please. Let's slide into a commercial break now with a voice from the dark, dark past.
1: I'm Darren Parks, the people's champion, the prophet of kings, and the messiah of Mantic. And you're listening to Countercharge.
3: And we're back. And so now we're going to talk about your favorite changes from Clash of Kings 2024, which was our community question number five. Jeremy, do you want to kick us off with this?
2: So excited for this. Clash of Kings is always an exciting time to see changes, to have new toys to play with. My coming hot in my number three is, will the Sisterhood change be enough for Basalia?
1: Basalia.
2: I can't wait to be with Matt and our special guest when we do our Basalian Army review to have that conversation. I think the Sisterhood has been a part of the Basalia faction that I think has never fully been realized. So I'm really curious to see how that works. Can we get another army build out of Basalia that's not just the alpha speed? Is there something else you can play within that faction? Really love that. I love the standard bearers change of adding in the auras. There was no reason to take a standard bearer, and no one had taken them since the early days of I'll take one with Bane Chan or take one with the you know healing uh, spell artifact or whatever. So I think that's been really interesting to think about how, how can we do standard bearers. And I think the whole aura system is a way to add in that nuance and uh, flavor without creating new rules. And then I really like the continued idea. And we've had people talk about this on the show a lot. Moving away from what makes an army unique is that they have a lot of x rule to instead a more substantial army feeling vibe like we had it in northern alliance with the frozen interactions we've had it in twilight kin with the different auras and uh, weakness and different things that the twilight kin can do so i just love to see that for me i'm i'm of the team that is more flavor please at you know give me the flavor ronnie so I love that idea of changing instead of an army's sp- speciality is that they have a lot of X to instead of they have their own sort of special thing that they do. And I don't think that's a lot to add. You just add one of those things per army. So now you play against Northern Alliance; they have a frozen mechanic. I think that's. I don't know what you think, Matt. I don't. I don't think that's too 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 much to add.
3: No, the only feedback I did in the survey was I I, I love. The new direction. I think it only becomes too much when it's a keyword reliant on another keyword, which is kind of like, as much as I love the salamander changes, is kind of, a, kind of that, you know, that you get life leech from this keyword if another keyword is in where I don't think that's necessarily necessary to provide that flavor. I think it can be this gives a keyword certain things. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to see it stick to more of that route rather than keyword on keyword. But I think in the main, it's it's just an awesome, it's exactly where they need to be going, exactly where they need to be going. So with that, I may as well jump into mine. So I, my number three was extra scenarios. I think it's good to have a little bit of a change up there and hopefully they keep them coming. And then my, my next two overlapped with you, Jeremy, and that two, the, the sisters changes. You know, I kind of didn't mind, not the not the archers, I didn't mind the sister infantry anyway, but, you know, getting the rampage buffs is, is super tasty uh, to me and the standard bearers changes. I think not, not only is it to me with the changing that you might actually see standard bearers, but opening up different styles of builds within a list, I think is, is, is really cool. What about you, Rob? What were your top three from, from Clash?
1: I'll start with my honorable mention, which is the, the flagger in the orc list. The one that has the orc rampage aura. First of all, the fact that it says N rather than being capped at a number is amazing. It also doesn't say Malay only. My number three is the changes to boots of levitation and the uh cost increase for Alchemist Curse. I think that's just gonna reduce the amount of uh what you see on the on the table, right? We, we used to always see you know the, the 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 wizard is mounted on a whatever, and here he comes with his boots, he's gonna hit me with alchemist curse. So the fact that alchemist curse cost up costs a little bit more. And uh, the fact that you can't take the boots and be mounted, I, th- I think are good things. My number two is the buffs to Salamander Infantry. Obviously, the points decrease for a lot of them is great, but also the uh, the, the ability of the Herald to give you Wild Charge 2, uh, to, to have the infantry, uh, and the access to Life Leech, though, what you said before about too many overlapping keywords, it can be a little convoluted. My number one is the scenario updates. I think Hold the Line and Stockpiles are nice twists. And I think now that we have 14 scenarios, I think that's even better. But there's still some confusion about how many loot tokens are a unit can carry in the push scenario. I think their intent with well, the way they've got it written aren't necessarily lined up. So,
2: Yeah, that one, the rules is written, you can carry multiple, but only one counts for scoring. But I think the intention was you only can carry one. And it just depends on whether or not that's going to get backed. But that's how I understand the rules verse written and ha- and what the intention is. I know if I run a tournament, I'll just back it and say for push, you can only carry one. And then Bob's your uncle, because I know that's the intention of that change.
3: And that kind of plays into the, the communication thing, right? I'm sure that's been decided what their intention is, but it hasn't changed. And it's quite simple, should be a copy and paste job for Elliot to update the companion. Let's hear what your favorite changes were. And we'll start with uh, a number of you liked... The scenarios so ben stoddard and page neo both liked the addition of new scenarios and mark like the twilight kin list they play really well at 500 points
1: <laughs> they probably do yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
2: so dave fanning and i love this change too. love the change of titans to unit strength too chef's kiss i think it was a great way to make them a little bit more appealing
3: to take and we had plenty of people say the standard changes so max k erasmus felix and jpfj all said that the army standard changes were amongst your favorite changes from clash
1: and jerry altman really likes the a la carte nature of the wizards now uh and i have to agree that's that's another great change danny graves loves the forest troll gunners getting piercing one
3: yeah, Keith likes the cheaper lichens as well as the unit strength 2 titans. Paul Collins is a big fan of the Abyssal
1: Dwarf buffs. You know, that's something a lot of people haven't really talked about, but, you know, decimators having a 14-inch range. There's some really cool things there about the Abyssal dwarves that I'm excited to see how it plays out on the table. Gabe Toth brings up the Ordered March new rule, which
2: I think most dwarf players, that's their special bay now is the Ordered March <laughs> special rule. So that was a, a nice quality of life change for sure. Okay, as we start to think about wrapping up the show, the next we're going to look at what we're most excited for in 2024, both our choices. And again, we've polled you guys. So I'll go ahead and go first. What I'm most excited for in 2024, again, as Matt said, uh, is going to be thinking about how to develop some more YouTube video content, whether it's some hobby stuff like the tactica of Matt and I getting together on UB and showing some different strategies on how to actually play the game. So definitely interested into taking part in some more video content. Would love to see continued new model releases and refreshes. I know we have Trident Realm and Abyssals are on the corner. I'd love to see continued use of the vault to get us the things that already exist I'm thinking about you, Sisterhood. Like I said, the cool Sisterhood sculpts from Vanguard for both the Scouts and Infantry. Let's see them on the vault, or let's see them release. So continued new models, uh, but also refreshes too. Uh, I would love to continue them. This whole idea of refreshing things I think is great. And then probably number one, it's one of my favorite things every year, which is Akon, Adepticon, both playing in all the Kings of War stuff, but also just as a miniature game lover, being able to see all the different miniature game companies. So that's one of my high points, uh, Adepticon. And then also I'm signed up and still hoping to go, uh, which is to do UK Clash of Kings. That September is a crazy month in that it's also US Masters. So we'll see, but I, I bought my ticket for UK Clash. I, I I still would love to go to UK Clash and to go to Australia's Clash, to go to all the clashes, you know, around the world to say like I've gone to them and to explore and use Kings as a, a platform to go uh, be surrounded by diverse cultures and people and stuff like that. So those are my top three. What about you, Matt? What are your top three looking for in 2024?
3: Well, as, as you were speaking, I thought I'd include an honourable mention, and that my my honourable mention will be: I'm looking forward to you showing us in 12 months' time that smart goals work, so that you will have ticked your boxes, Jeremy Duvall, because that's what you do.
2: Oh, I can't wait! I can't. You you guys are gonna uh, uh, pray at my throne, and
3: can't wait. He's already started show notes, full of full of <laughs> full of comebacks. Number three, I had it uh, getting into the books more, and again, partially along like for thinking themes for my own armies, but in that um, gatekeeping episode about like really really delving into kind of where does this world come from more because that's 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 what we want, and I'm particularly looking forward to and have been looking forward to for a long time, Mike Rossi's book. Um, so. Can't wait for that. To the new army refresh, I thought I knew what they were looking at, and I don't think they necessarily are definitely anymore. So I'm not sure what they're looking at anymore. Yeah, as we were talking, Jeremy, I'd like, I'd love them to hit Basalia with a refresh. I think it's, I, I know they don't regard it as strong IP, but I think it easily could be IP, and I, I like, I really think they should go down the strengthening the orders path for sure.
2: When you think about the Mantic's original armies basalia and Nightstalk, you know i mean it, basalia is one of them and i think they could really go down like what, what i loved your rewriting panathor when you were talking about that faction so to me that would be a dream new high models fresh you know oh gosh
3: well and some of their plastics already really good right for basalia so like they, they've got some good plastic so it's actually it would be a sensible choice in terms of being able to add even more plastic and have an army that's almost entirely plastic, which they don't really have at this stage.
2: Cavalry and Alohi. Yeah, if they did plastic Alohi and then a sisterhood kit that could make the different sisterhood, you already have great men-at-arms models. Those pla- The the update to the men-at-arms plastics are amazing. You have a lot of other stuff. The Alohi kit you could use to make a Julius and a Samacris based on like converting. So yeah, I think that... I'm 100% with you, buddy.
3: Well, and if they went down the orders path, they just used the vault to add bits, right? So you have these plastic bodies where the arms are replaceable or something, you know, and to, to represent different orders. I think it's ripe. Uh, hopefully they look at it and then I'm, I'm actually really as much as i don't want to be tempted into another army i'm really looking forward to the trident realms refresh because um like i know i know luke won with it as the u.s master I, I don't think on average though it's an easy army to play not that all armies should be easy when you've got your own ip you don't want people to be buying a product and then going nah i just can't make this work i, I think that that i'm really looking forward to that and what about you Roberto,
1: my honorable mention is what you said before about Mike Rossi's novel. I can't wait to get a hold of it. It's been a long time coming. My number three is the 2024 Army Refreshes. You know, I am excited to see what they do with Trident Realm. I mean, the idea of Plastic River Guard has me giddy, right? Like, oh, because I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's the unit that was like, yeah, I'm not buying a bunch of metal metal River Guard. I'm not putting that together. So, and they may be resin by, by this point, but I mean, plastic river guard are going to be really great. My number two is Adepticon 2023. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to ha- seeing Mantic's increased presence there. Hopefully we'll have Ronnie and company there. And my number one is to develop a train set for tournament play. You know, we've talked a lot about it on the show, but standardized quantity, the standardized footprint for each of the pieces develop a map pack that's using those terrain uh, pieces, you know, and then, basically provide the vector files out there for folks to cut it out for free. I mean essentially it's it's the the footprint of the the terrain and their location on the table that matter. What you put on it You could you could it could be whatever theme you want. You know, I think that would be interesting. You know, get a get a few people using it. It's probably a pipe dream to think that we're gonna get any kind of actual like, oh, this is the official standard. No, that's not gonna happen. But it's an option for people. Those are my three. Let's get into what you said in terms of what you are most looking forward to in 2024. Mark Zelensky and Jeremy Altman both are interested in the new unannounced army refresh marks gases that it's going to be the herd and jerry b altman is hopeful that it'll be
3: sylvan kin jpfj and gabe Toth are both looking forward to uh, the trident realms update john paul's also looking forward to the abyss army update i forgot that one had been announced as well and gabe additionally has more gts keith conroy is on that
2: same gt track he's excited for dead of winter orc town with Skullface. Masters and best of the rest. I think there's going to be a lot of great events up and down
1: the mid-Atlantic and Northeast next year. Dave Fanning is just excited
3: to see the next Mantic Army release, which I think technically is Modern Realms, right? Isn't that February? I'm not sure. Interestingly, if we were going to get a bunch of new stuff, often we'd have it teased by now, but it, it is Christmas time, so... Not sure. Not sure. I, I assume that they're on track, but yeah, I don't know for sure. Uh, Paige Neo wants to keep seeing more sweet changes from the new RC.
2: Max K is looking forward to the next army project, as we all are always continuously looking forward to, right? What is our next,
1: next, next, next project going to be? Danny Graves is interested in more Winged star novels and Aramis wants more dwarf novels. So I think both those guys are going to be very happy next year.
3: Ollie's looking forward to more great community content.
1: Paul Collins is looking forward to Abyssal Dwarf Supremacy.
3: Boo. (laughs)
1: That's fantastic. (laughs) And Felix runs out the feedback by saying he's looking most forward to how the community responds to 2024 Clash of Kings. And actually, it's been a pretty positive response, guys.
3: I haven't seen a lot of negative. It's been unusually mild for all the changes, but probably mild in terms of the positive, too. I I think the community has probably – I reckon part of this is companion-related. Because without without as many people buying the book, it's not as clear all the time what all the changes are. I still went and bought the book as well because I like having that all in one place and to be able to read it. So for those that need it, Felix's number is... No, just joking.
1: <laughs> Let's uh, take one more quick commercial break. And on the other side, we are going to close out the show. We'll be right back.
0: Salut, mon nom, c'est Christian Moisin. Vous écoutez Counter
1: All right, welcome back to Countercharge, And now it's time for us to close out our 2023 year in review. We've got a few final thoughts to share. For me, 2024 is really the year in which we make an impact on growing the community. I think we've kind of been treading water for many years. You know, there's some some growth in certain areas, but I think it's time for us to put our put our stamp on the world and, and really make an effort to really make this thing grow. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
2: I think it's the put up or shut up year. I think we've decided as a community and as I, I know show specifically, we've been really invested in using Mantic models and. You know, promoting the game in our local area. So I think it's that time. It's the it's the time where let's uh, dedicate ourselves to growing the game. Put that energy into it, and you know whatever analogy you want to use, money where your mouth is, put up or, shut, or whatever. But it's time to not just do the talking. Let's
3: do some walking. No, well, I think like you mentioned, Germany. You know, we have an RC. IC- and a direction from Mantic that's giving us a set of rules that there's people not playing kings who really wanted this style of rule set. It's still keeping that mostly simplistic aspect. So now is the time to get them in. I imagine we're still probably almost two years away at least from a from a fourth edition. So get them in now, get them hooked, and we probably see it realized even greater in two years. But now is the time to grow
1: and I'm just thinking, how can we do a challenge on this? You know, we did a great slow grow challenge this year, and obviously there's more to come on that. But I'm just thinking, how can we as a community build a challenge on growing community?
2: Yeah, I would love to do something around play a game, make a friend, which let's do something around show the game to someone, whether it's a buddy or who when they first played it, they said it it was too bland. It wasn't deep enough, a la what Matt, the population Matt was just talking about, who tried Kings way back in 2016 and a time when the game didn't have as, as much of a robust rule set. So maybe we do something about like the challenge this year is to play Kings with someone who's either never played it before or who played it in the past and didn't like it you know, and maybe that's, we can
3: work something around that. Target for YouTube content then could be ambush games. And and it doesn't necessarily, like there's been people who've done battle reports before that don't necessarily have to do the live camera, even though that's more engaging, but that do it as the, the still shots of what you're doing. And I think ambush allows you to do that better because you're on that smaller board, but you could then have the voice overlay of this is the move and how the moves work. Because essentially in ambush, you're getting the full game but in a much simpler version that could be done and dusted in a battle report in 20 or 30 minutes rather than two hours. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with.
1: <laughs> I'll contribute however I can. I just I know how much effort it takes to edit a podcast, an audio format. Yeah, yeah. I have dabbled in video editing and it's it's certainly not as easy. And that being said, we also need to think about what we want to do in 2024 in terms of another slow grow league. Somehow we tie that back to our community growth challenge. If you guys have got some ideas to how to engage on that throw it on our Facebook page. We'll have a post for this episode. Please share your thoughts on how we can do that. I'm really keen on getting more people into this hobby. When people find it, they always have a smile on their face. So let's share that with more people. Let's get more people engrossed in it. I don't know about you, but I could always use more cool people to hang out with and play games with. Well, on that note, I just wanted to just thank everybody that's helped us along the way this year. This was a Herculean effort of a year. I mean, we like I said, I think we said we did almost 100 episodes this year. Lots of content. We were at lots of events. Uh, I would expect more of the same next year on the army review front. I really enjoyed the fact that we've made a concerted effort to really get voices from, from international folks. You, you know, the halfling episode was a great example where we had mode from Singapore we had max from Australia and we had some people from the U S more of that to come. Hopefully it's a time for reflection and Thanksgiving and just really appreciative of everything that uh, you guys have obviously contributed, but all the community people that have contributed as well.
2: Yeah. Thanks to all the contributors, all the, the hosts who, you know, the the returning guest stars, we have all the series regulars, right? But we also have a really great community of guest players who come and join us from time to time. So
3: thanks to everyone who's contributed to the
2: show over the last year.
3: The countercharge stable, we can call it, but a stable of stars. (laughs) And I think big thanks has to go for you, Rob. I mean, you pumped out a a massive amount of content this, this year. You know, e- even if one of the other of us were on it, often you were doing a lot of the notes and things like that. And, you know, so uh, big, big thanks to you and your contribution to the community across this year. Don't call him Daddy Rob
2: for no reason.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, Matt.
2: 2024 is your year.
3: Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, my, my goal is I just need to get it all forward booked in my diary because typically like my work diary is booked out about a month in advance. So I just need to get it forward booked. And that that's my plan. Be organized. And remember to
2: always develop smart goals and don't be a smart ass. And with that, keep countercharging.
0: Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.
2: Yeah, rising tides lift all boats.
3: Why don't we help each other's boats rise? Yeah, well, it sounds like a great idea to me, mate. <laughs>